Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. everybody this is the other side of midnight i'm frank moreno well that's right tgif thank god it's friday thank god it's frank welcome to the beginning of your weekend we are going to begin your weekend the way we begin each and every friday edition of this program by giving you the opportunity to ask questions of me on any subject. Now, the operative word here is questions. You can ask questions about anything you want. Film, television, books, business, radio, cocktails. You want advice? You've got my advice. Personal, My personal history, you want to know who my third grade teacher was? I'll spare you the call. It was Mrs. Zadek. You're welcome to call in about that. Pro wrestling, gambling, Atlantic City, local politics, national politics, restaurants, New York, the criminal justice system, aliens, the mob, hypothetical questions. My uh, personal preferences, relationships, baseball, the culture at large, religion. Do you know of any show that casts such a wide net? I don't. 800-848-WABC. It is time for The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Now, I don't want to spoil you, uh, and I'm hesitant to do this, and I was very hesitant to make this decision yesterday, but I did did make the decision today that instead of the usual one hour of Ask Frank Anything, we will do two hours of Ask Frank Anything. uh, Settle down, settle down where I will answer your questions on any subject. Now, I don't want you to get spoiled. This is not going to be a weekly thing. This is a one-time-only deal. Uh, Just because I was deluged with questions via email, via Twitter, and so forth. You want to email me, by the way, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. We are going to give away a The Other Side of Midnight baseball cap to whoever comes up with the best question. So uh, if um, we're going to allow Ryan... Matt and Molly to determine whoever it is that has the best question. I am I'm doing a Pontius Pilate. I am washing my hands of that decision. But whoever has the best question, we like different questions, questions on different subjects, questions that spur interesting talk topics, whatever the case may be. 800-848-WABC. Now is your opportunity. All right. Um, without further ado, let me say hello to John in Brooklyn. Hello there, John. Frank, hello. How are you? I'm doing great, John. John, I hear you had a, a birthday recently. Happy birthday. Yes, thank you. That was last week. <laughs> a week ago, last Friday. 
say, I was wondering, have you been watching Star Trek Picard? Uh, well, I haven't seen the second season yet. Is the second season out yet? It's coming out next month. Yes. Oh, so that's what I saw. And I love, uh, based on what I've seen in the trailers, that uh, John Delancey is reprising his role as Q. I know. That's what I'm looking forward I, I'm to. I'm looking that forward to it. Amazing. I, I, I saw the first season. I liked it very much. In fact, I was just talking about it with um, my siblings and um, uh, you know some other family members last week. I really liked the first season. I thought it was really well done. The only thing about the first season that I wasn't sure about was the ending. I thought the ending was a little a little interesting, but I you know look maybe I'm, too rushed. I maybe know, maybe but, yeah. maybe, but I liked it. Look, I thought it was a, a great series. Look, uh, Patrick Stewart's one of the best actors ever, and uh, I thought I thought the writing was great. It was great to see Jerry. Ryan uh, back as seven of nine. I, I thought it was really well done. Mm-hmm. So uh, I will see you there, uh, John, and I will see you. Uh, you know, we'll compare notes on what we thought of the of the second season of Picard. Eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Answering your questions on any subject. Eddie is in New Jersey. Hello, Eddie. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Um, but a while back, I spoke to you about this topic. You you said that there were only two vice presidents who were who had to be nominated by by a president and then confirmed, which was Gerald uh, Ger- uh, Gerald Ford and Rock- uh, Nelson Rockefeller. That's right. Yes. Now there have been numerous other times that the president, let's say, died in office or something. So why wasn't it necessary then? Because all the other times that a uh, there was a vacancy in the office of vice president, the um, th- there was no constitutional provision for doing that. So until the um, until the uh, I believe it was twenty fifth amendment. No, I think it was the twenty fourth amendment. So until the twenty fourth amendment was um, was ratified, there was no. Um, you know, there was no, uh, you know, there was no mechanism for replacing, um, there was no mechanism for replacing a vice president. Right. Cause I, I think even L- L- Lyndon Johnson, I don't even think he had a vice president at all. Yeah, you're right. Actually it was the 25th amendment. Yeah, it was, um, you know, LBJ did not have a vice president for the remainder of Kennedy's term. Uh, that's exactly right. right. And on this, on this topic, um, who do you think was the most uh, successful and the best vice president oh, in U.S. history. That is such a good question. I know this is, and it's unusual because people have asked you about presidents. Right, it's such vice a good question. Is much harder. Um, so there's a, a couple of interesting answers to this. So uh, I really think that um, there's three that come to mind. Okay, um, one is um, one is John Adams, right? And I know that. Uh, uh, John Adams, his presidency was not considered the best, but he was the first vice president and he really set the stage for so many of the precedents that paved the way for all the vice presidents that came after him. And I, I know all these things that the vice presidents do and don't do, people just assume, OK, that's what vice presidents do. There was no playbook for John Adams. So he really, for eight years, he kind of paved the way for Every vice president that came after him. The other one, there's two others that come to mind. One of the others that come to mind is um, Thomas Jefferson. And Thomas Jefferson is an interesting pick because 
unlike almost every vice president in history, he was not on the same page as the the person that he was the the vice president to. Uh, The president was somebody of the opposite party, someone that he had ran against. He did so much writing. His work in terms of um, uh, procedure for the U.S. Senate paved the way for a lot of stuff that's still done today. He was, even though he was adversarial towards the president, he really was an incredibly consequential vice president. And the other one that I'm going to name is Richard Nixon. Nixon um, was one of the most influential and consequential vice presidents of all time. Not only did he help kind of pave the way for the, the writing of the 25th Amendment, which we were talking about before, but... He really was – he took over the office of the presidency so often. Eisenhower gave him a very influential role in terms of cabinet meetings, in terms of serving um, – you know, chairing meetings of the, of the National Security Council. Nixon was an incredibly consequential vice president. So those are the three that most immediately come to mind. Adams, Jefferson, Nixon. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Mario is in Manhattan. Hello, Mario. Yes, sir. Uh, My question concerns the district attorney in Manhattan. Everybody's clamoring that they want to get rid of him because of the fact that he won't adhere to reasonable and sensible things to do about criminals. Then we go and say, well, the governor is the only one that could take care of this and get him out. But she's selfish because she wants to be the only governor uh, that's a woman that's elected from the state of New York. So we're at a standoff here. Now, what's the potential? And by the way, you're very astute in politics. I don't know if you took political science in college, but you know your apples. Why can't we go after the governor and petition the state Senate and the assembly that are all Republicans and push her to do this by way of petition, by way of demonstrations? I mean, there's got to be some recourse to this. You well, just can't let this play well, out. Just so, right just, now, Mario, just so I'm clear. In may your I question. just say this? May yeah. I just say this? Right now, we have a mayor. He's only 21 days in. And look at what he's faced with. So he's blowing a big wind, but nothing is coming out of the horn. All right. So, Mario, so your, question, your, Mario your question is, why yeah. can't the state legislature remove the governor? Is that what your question is? Yeah. Why can't they push the governor? I mean, is she going to Well, when you say almighty? push the governor, what do you mean push the governor? Push well, well, by way of uh, by way of introducing a you can't you can't impeach a you can't impeach a governor state yes, of New you York. Can. So sure you can, can. Oh, you can. Yeah, so remember why that's why that's why her, Andrew Cuomo was with a recall. Well, well why there's can't no they recall. There's no a... okay. Thank you, Mario. You're a little confused. So there's no recall in New York. There is impeachment. Any governor can be impeached, and the state legislature could impeach the governor and remove her from office if they wanted. That's why Andrew Cuomo resigned, because Andrew Cuomo was poised to be impeached and removed from office. I mean, look, the premise of your question, I think, is a little flawed. You said at one point the Republicans have the assembly in the Senate. That's not true. The Republicans did control the state Senate for many years, but they have not for a number of years. And the Democrats now control a supermajority in both the Assembly and the Senate. And uh, Governor Hochul has very good relations with both the Speaker, Carl Hastie, and the uh, Majority Leader, 
uh, Senator Andrea Stewart-Cousins. So I think it's incredibly unlikely that they would ever remove somebody that they have such good relations with. So I think that's probably unlikely. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. Gary is in Inwood. Hello, Gary. Good morning, Frank. A question that is sketchy on my end about a talk show host that I'm, once again, my information is very sketchy, and I believe the name would be Phil Henry, had a show called The Fabulous Phil Henry Show. Not yeah. much information on my end. I, I think you mean Phil Hendry, right? The guy that did and all his voices? I did. That. That's where I come in. I didn't know what he did as far as what you just said on it, but I listened to him probably half a dozen show, and I picked up the signal. It was very, very hard for me to get the signal, and I heard his first show. I said, well, what is this? And yeah, that's all I know about uh, Yeah, Phil Hendry was absolutely terrific. And, um, different. Uh, oh, different is the word. Now, if people have never heard Phil Hendry, and thanks for the call, Gary, you are missing out. Phil Hendry was one of the most phenomenal talents ever to speak into a radio microphone. Now, he's done a lot of different things in radio. He's done a lot of different things in acting. But he came to prominence maybe about 25 years ago hosting the Phil Hendry Show, which was a radio talk show where he portrayed both himself as a calm, rational host while simultaneously portraying a whole bunch of outrageous and offensive characters who would engage in debates with Hendry and the callers. So the guy would interview himself and... He'd also take calls. It was amazing. I mean, imagine I have a guest and I'm taking calls with the guest. That in and of itself is difficult enough. Now, imagine I'm playing both of those roles, both me and the outrageous guest. He was absolutely phenomenal. One of the most phenomenal. I never met him, uh, but he's one of the most phenomenal voice talents that has ever lived. And he's done a lot of animated work because of that. He's been on King of the Hill. He's been on animated shows like Rick and Morty. And it's funny, a radio consultant that I worked with for a time, he actually told me that Howard Stern, right, the grand poobah of all radio talk show hosts, had heard Phil Hendry. And Howard Stern, all he wanted was to come to the radio station and watch Phil Hendry and see him do all those different voices. And that's the kind of incredible talent that he was. Um, and, and again, I don't mean to kill him off. He's still alive, but he has not been doing that kind of a show for, I would, I want to say close to 10 years, 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Karen in Rockland County. Hello, Karen. Hi, how are you, Frank? Uh, let me ask you, um, this thing about Trump, you know, having to reveal his, uh, documents from the January 6th, uh, event. Uh, do you think that uh, Pelosi should be mandated to uh, put back those two Republicans back onto the investigative committee that she took off? Well, um, which two Republicans? That was uh, Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan. I forgot who the other one was. But she removed them. I guess she was afraid that they wouldn't ask her questions. Yeah. So I, she should be... I, I, thank you, Karen. I, I think what you're seeing here, if the January 6th commission is um, – is not a it, – basically, it's totally political. It's totally political. And it's something that is not a real exercise in the pursuit of truth 
really it's a political witch hunt. And it's something that um, I don't think there's any pretense, unlike the 9-11 Commission, um, where it was a legitimate bipartisan pursuit of truth. This is an anti-Trump committee. And look, it's so interesting to me. The speaker has broad discretion in terms of who she wants to include on a select committee when when she when her party's in the majority. Right. Uh, So she could put anyone she wants, you know, on on any of these committees. I uh, I don't give the January 6th committee terribly much credibility. Um, So she doesn't have to put anybody on any Republican, any Democrat. Uh, It's totally her joke. Right. I just uh, I think that it's it's a shame that this has become what it is, quite frankly. Uh, I will say this January 6th committee has claimed absolute power as it investigates citizens with no judicial limits. I mean, if somebody if there was a grand jury, you'd have certain rights. But this committee has plotted with J.P. Morgan and um, and others to obtain citizens financial records. And there's no possibility of judicial review. Look, if you get screwed in a federal court, what do you do? You go to the appellate court, the district court. You get screwed in state Supreme Court. What do you do? You go to the appellate division. You get screwed in the appellate division. What do you do? You go to the Court of Appeals in New York. With this January 6th committee, it's almost, I hate to use the term, but it's almost McCarthyist in that there's, they're answerable to no one. I find it very frightening. And to think that Congress thinks that this is the best use of their time and energy is just, to me, it's outrageous. And again, I don't want to sound like I'm letting the January 6th rioters off the hook. I'm for throwing all of them in jail. I'm for prosecuting all of them to the fullest extent of the law. But you know what? The Department of Justice is doing that. So the Department of Justice is prosecuting all these people. Juries are poised to convict them. Prosecutors are going after them. They're being thrown thrown into prison. So what possible purpose does this January 6th committee have? And now if they were investigating all the riots that took place over the last two years, that would be one thing. Kind of like that 1979 Congressional Select Committee on Assassinations. They didn't just investigate the JFK assassination. They investigated JFK, RFK, Martin Luther King, etc. But with this January 6th committee, it's almost like a bill of attainder. To me, it has very little credibility. Uh, So I don't think that Nancy Pelosi should be forced to put on any members of Congress because that's her ballywick. You don't have to do that. However, I just think that, um, I don't know, the committee has very little credibility with me. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Mike in New Rochelle. Hello, Mike. Hey, good morning, Frank. Uh, I rarely get to ask you any questions, and there's so many things I'd love to discuss with you, but would you let me rattle off three quickies real quick? I'm ready. Okay. I'd like to think I've been listening to the show since its inception, and I mentioned last week that I discovered you when you did the Pat Cooper interview. I noticed that your podcasts only go back so far. Are there archives of your show, and is there an anniversary date of The Other Side of Midnight? 
So the the first day that I was on the air with the other side of midnight was it was September 20, either September 28th or September 29th of 2020. Uh, th- those are the first days. And you should be able at WABCRadio.com or at FMWABC.com to go back all the way to September 28th and hear every edition of this show. Uh, so you it should only be. It goes back so far. To what? To what day? To what date does it go back? I've been on three different sites that host your podcast. They go back maybe like to November or uh, October. So uh, there was a problem. Molly, when when she – I'm not meaning to point the blame at her, but when she was trying to upload some podcasts, she accidentally changed a setting which um, made all of our previous podcasts go away. But – I believe Doug Kilzer, our director of operations, has fixed that. And you should be able to hear all the podcasts going back to September of 2020. Excellent. I'll go check because that was a week ago. And I also noticed that Curtis's last show hasn't been uploaded yet either. Well, that. I can't speak to that. I, you know, I honestly, know Curtis is on so often that I don't think the podcast people can keep up with how often he's broadcasting shows. So uh, I can't speak to the Curtis situation, but I do believe all of our shows are up there. If they're not, email me so that I can raise holy hell internally about any podcast that might be missing. Okay. Emailing you is the best way to correspond with you off air because you do owe me a phone call. I I spoke to you like maybe in October about talking to you off the air. You said contact you. Yeah, email is definitely the best way. Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com. If I wanted to send some music to you and put it in a format where you would be able to listen to it, what would you suggest that format be, and how do you normally like to listen to your music? Um, well, I like MP3s. MP3s is, is, is the best. So I could scenario. load them up on a, on a little jump drive and send that out to you, and you can do as you please. With Absolutely, 100%. That's something I'm going to do, and I'm going to shoot you an email, and we'll set up a day where we can have a little conversation because I really do enjoy talking to you, and I think uh, we could both do something nice for one another. Wonderful. I look forward to that. Thank you very much, Mike. 800-848-WFC. I've just gotten the word from Matt Blaze, who assures me that all of the shows that we've done since September 28th are indeed on the um, on the podcast page. So you can go to WABCRadio.com. And you can um, listen to any of the shows that you want. And look, it, I'd be interested in going back and seeing some of these shows myself or listening to some of these shows myself. The show uh, The Night of the Election, I'd be interested in hearing that. Uh, the Night of the January 6th Insurrection I'd be uh, or Riot, I'd be interested in hearing that. The Day Rush Limbaugh died, I'd be interested in hearing that. I mean, I'd be curious. I and mean, there's been a great deal of history that's taken place over the course of the last year. 800-848-WABC. We're going to continue with your questions in just a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. WABC. You're hearing things. You're hearing things. On 77 WABC.
destined to happen. This is uh, Dion and the Belmonts, right? Teenager in love. It's funny, about a year ago, I was here on the radio, and I told the story, as I, I do tell stories about my personal life from time to time, about how my wife, I had purchased a mug, a coffee mug, at the James Garfield presidential uh, home and, and library in Ohio. I was out there six years ago, and I purchased a bunch of stuff, including a mug. And my wife, I love this mug, love this mug. You can only get it really at the Garfield Library. And my wife, um, maybe about a year and a half ago or so, maybe a year ago, broke the mug. She broke the mug. So Margot Katsimatidis, the first lady of our radio station, she was kind enough to... Um, she was kind enough to buy me two new James Garfield mugs, the president, James Garfield, right? So I had t- these two mugs. I kept one here at the radio station, and I drink from it every day. I brought the other one home so I could have another Garfield mug at home, and Margot just sent me the sweetest note. Margot is, if you've never had the opportunity to meet her, she is probably the nicest woman who's ever lived, other than maybe my own mother. And she sent me the nicest note. She says... I, you know, I'm not sure if this is the same as uh, either of these are the same as the one that you that you broke, but I hope this makes up for it. And she sent me two great James Garfield mugs. And an interesting thing just happened just now as I was moving a microphone so I could better see the call screen board. I knocked over this James Garfield bug now, uh, mug. I was done with it. And I broke one of the Margot uh, Garfield mugs that she had given me. So now... The handle is broken. So I still have the other one she gave me. Maybe I'll bring that one in. But now this one has no handle. Maybe I could just use it without the handle. I may do that. But it is funny. A guy that was only president for a couple of months before he was assassinated, I I can't keep uh, his mugs from breaking. Maybe it's just something about James Garfield that leads him to be shot and get his mugs broken. I don't know. What the hell? you doing i can't tell you 800-848-wabc i'm going to try and uh, answer as many of your questions as possible we are going to give a prize to whomever comes up with the best question we want creative questions different questions if you just ask a whole bunch of boring questions about politics this is going to be a real long two hours so if you can come up with off the beaten path questions questions about um Movies about television, about pro wrestling, about um, about you know I don't know life, gambling, Atlantic City, local politics, restaurants, New York, the criminal justice system. Uh, it's going to be a m- cocktails. It's going to be a much more interesting two hours than if it's just a bunch of boring political questions. Eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. That's eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Peter is in Manhattan. Hello, uh, Peter. Yes, hi, Frank. Can an intelligent argument be made on behalf of the Russians' involvement in the Ukraine? Well, first of all, there, it's not the Ukraine. It's Ukraine, okay? Uh, you would not say the Ukraine any more than you'd say the Canada or the Russia or the Mexico. It's not the Ukraine. It drives me crazy when people say it. It's not the Ukraine. It's just Ukraine. 
Two, uh, I mean, yes, the fact of the matter is, look, we're going to talk with somebody on Monday who's an American who lives in eastern Ukraine, who's been fighting the Ukrainian government because he and his neighbors in Donetsk want freedom. They want not just to be free of Ukraine. They want to be part of Russia. The bottom line is, just as was the case with Crimea, the overwhelming majority of the people that live in eastern Ukraine are Russian. They're ethnic Russian. Their history is Russian. Their language is Russian. And they want to be part of Russia. So, look... um, I, I'm not saying that justifies an invasion by any by any stretch. The fact of the matter, though, is the United States did give a guarantee 30 years ago that NATO would not keep expanding eastward. And yet we have. How is Russia to view that as anything but aggressive and adversarial? It's a big problem. Look, I hope there's no war in Ukraine, but at the rate that we're going... It, uh, I am not at all optimistic. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Mike is in New Jersey. Hello, Mike. Good morning, Frank. Yeah. Frank, um, if you could become a presidential press secretary, would you take the position? Uh, well, under the current president or any president? Um, if it was offered under any president. Uh, that's a good question. No, I think it would depend on who the president was. Uh, I would have... Um, I would I, look. I think it would be a fun job. Uh, there was some talk of my being in the Trump administration, in not a role of presidential secretary, but being the head of um, of radio, essentially for the Trump administration. And uh, ultimately, I didn't want to move to Washington. And I uh, and then when there were some other changes, there was another opportunity for me to serve in the Trump administration. And I chose not to pursue it because I love living in New York. Honestly, this is my hometown. So if I could be a presidential press secretary, that's a good question. I don't know how I would until you're until you have an offer like that. I don't know that you ever know how you would uh, you would deal with something like that. I think my answer would be no, because I really don't want to live in D.C. I want to live uh, here in New York. And again, there was a lot of talk about me having a whole bunch of different positions in the Trump administration. But none of them, in my view, justified moving to D.C. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Drew in White Plains. Hello, Drew. Hey, perfectly leading to my question, Frank. Um you said you love living in New York. This is a two-part question. First, it was a documentary that came out on CNBC called Empires of New York. Make it short, story short. Um, basically, all the people that helped build New York are now, for one reason or another, a lot of scrutiny in New York. What do you think is going to be the future of New York? Do you think this state will become a more moderate state, even though it's a blue state, more moderate, business-friendly state? Or do you think this is just going to be a crazy progressive state like California? Well, uh, Drew, I I want to answer your question, but to be Mm -hmm. to be clear, when you say what do I see as the future of New York, do you mean strictly politically or do you mean just in every in every respect? Um, Every respect. So, you know, politics have a lot to do with everything. So, yes, politically. And I mean, by even like, you know, the way that that, just the mentality, 
pardon me, the mentality of the overall state and the political climate? Will it be a more moderate state or will it be a crazy progressive state? And second part of the question before um, you hang up, you just had a kid. Do you plan on sending your kid to the local public school as it gets older? Would you move to a different part of the state where the public schools are more highly rated, like one of these suburbs like Nassau or Westchester, or are you going to send them to private school? Uh, well, let me answer the second question first. So, no, we're not going to move to another part of the state. Uh, I would like to send our child to public school because I feel like it's a good way to uh, get our child to be a little bit street smart as well, uh, to not live in this in this bubble. You know, I think it's good for a kid to be able to see a fight once in a while, to be able to know how to take the train or the bus to school. I, I think I think it, it, it instills in a child a degree of street smarts, which I think you only get attending New York City public schools and how you deal with those sorts of situations is very important instead of being sheltered away in a private school. Uh, high school is a different matter. I was talking about this with my wife and my sister the other day. And, um, you know, uh, again, we'll see what he wants to do. But um, I would hope that he would go to a public school for high school. There's a lot of great specialized high schools in New York City that are public. Obviously, you have Stuyvesant, Brooklyn Tech, Bronx High School of Science. I was not smart enough to get into any of those three. Uh, but uh, my father, my brother, they both went to Brooklyn Tech, as did our owner, John Katsimatidis. And uh, there's Staten Island Tech, certainly. But uh, even if you just ended up going to Tonville High School, I think there's a lot to be said for public high school. As far as what I see for the future of the state, look, it's tough to predict. Because the state is hemorrhaging population. People are moving away in droves for a whole host of reasons. The crime, the weather, the fact that nobody can afford to live here. But, and maybe this is my own naivete, maybe this is my own wide-eyed optimism, I'm actually incredibly optimistic about the future of the state. Politically, let's start with that since that's where you began the premise of your question. I actually do think the state is in the midst of a of a pull back in the style of a rubber band to something a little bit more moderate. Look, you saw that last year with all the elections. Look at what happened in Nassau and Suffolk, uh, winning the DA position in both counties, winning the county executive position in Nassau. I think there's a very real possibility, and this is going to sound crazy to you, but I think there's a very real possibility that the Republicans may actually retake control of the state Senate. Now, I'm not a Republican. I don't want to sound like I'm rooting for them. But I think one-party control of anything, state government, the national government, is not good. And I think if the Republicans were to regain control of the state Senate, it would provide an important equilibrium that would moderate everybody. So I actually think politically uh, we're going to be in a much better position. And I think that people are – I was just talking about this with my friend uh, Sarah Pastelnik. People are so fed up with these COVID restrictions – People are so fed up with lockdowns. People are so fed up with remote learning and mask mandates that I think you are going to see this erupt. I think you're already seeing it erupt to some extent in the form of a record high number of TV shows being filmed. And you're seeing it erupt in, to some extent in record high numbers of audience for, um, you know, for football. But I think you are going to see a state that is poised to party like it's 1999. So I think it's going to lead to a cascade of economic activity in this state that's going to be very positive. And I'm very bullish on New York State. I think New York's best days, and I know this sounds naive, 
I really do think New York's best days are ahead of it. I really do. And I'm hopeful, uh, although the last three weeks are no indication that this will happen, I'm hopeful that in New York City that Eric Adams will get a hold of this crime situation because uh, until you can make New York safe for both tourists and residents, it's going to be a tough thing to get all of New York back up and running again. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-WABC. Pete is in Piscataway. Hello, Pete. Hi, Frank. Hey, Frank, do you have any favorite uh, one-hit wonders, rock songs you like? Oh, I have a lot. Uh, there's a lot of one-hit wonders. Look, I think you have to uh, consider Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant a one-hit wonder. That would probably be one of my favorites. Uh, Safety Dance by Men Without Hats. That's got to be uh, one of my favorites. Um, th- those got to be. Those are the two. Uh, you know, and the song. I know it's kind of a like a Christian rock song, but I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be 500 miles by the Proclaimers. I love that song, and I just found find it so upbeat. And I think uh, you'd probably have to consider everyone was kung fu fighting a one hit wonder. So those are my my three or four favorite one hit wonders. How about yours? You have one, Pete. How about Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky? Spirit in the Sky is a great one. And look, as somebody that's, um, you know, astronomically inclined like uh, like I am, I think uh, Spirit in the Sky is a terrific song, not only for how it sounds, but for the messaging there. Yeah, no doubt about it. Couldn't agree more. Spirit in the Sky is a great song. But look, every, Kung Fu Fighting, I think, is a one-hit wonder. Look, I know, uh, if memory serves, the artist, I believe it was Carl Douglas... He tried to come out with another song right after this. It did not work out as well. Um, and he, he tried a couple of other follow-ups. To the, it just didn't work. It just didn't work as well as this particular song did. He had, um, I forget what the other one was, Dance the Kung Fu. That was his follow-up to uh, Kung Fu Fighting. No one listened to it. Nobody knows about it. 800-848-9222. Hey, I got an email question here from Tom. I don't want to ignore the email questions. Tom writes, long ago, you told a story that I've almost completely forgotten, but I remember is it's being very funny. Unlike most good stories that people repeat over the years, you never retell this one. Oh, what is this? If I, if I recall, the story took place, if I recall correctly, the story took place when you were working for the Brooklyn Cyclones at one of your first jobs. You went to the owner's box for some reason where George Steinbrenner may have been present. That's all I remember, and I may not even have those facts correct. So my question is, what was the embarrassing but funny story that occurred when you were working for the Brooklyn Cyclones? Um, okay, so I did work for the Brooklyn Cyclones for three years. By the way, huge shout-out to Gary Perone who was my boss at the Brooklyn Cyclones, who is now the general manager of the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, who is owned, which is owned by our owner, John Katsimatidis. They had a blockbuster announcement yesterday that the owner of the, excuse me, the new manager of the Staten Island Ferry Hawks is going to be Edgardo Alfonso. Edgardo Alfonso, that's so cool. Now, when Gary first took this job as the general manager of the Ferry Hawks, He said to me, Frank, this is going to be huge. This is going to be just like 2001, only better. 2001 was one of my most magical years ever professionally. What that was like, that summer of 2001 with the Brooklyn Cyclones was like nothing I've ever experienced. And the manager of the Brooklyn Cyclones at that time was Edgar Alfonso. 
the brother of Edgardo Alfonso. And this hiring of Edgardo Alfonso is, to me, the um, of Gary's promise coming to fruition, which is it's going to be like 2001, only better. So the story that I think Tom is talking about here did not take place in 2001, took place in 2002. I was working with the Brooklyn Cyclones, and it was a day where the game was rained out. And all of those of us that were on the staff, we would have to pull the tarp out onto the field, right? And as soon as it would start raining, we just expected you would pull the tarp out onto the field. We almost had it down to a science. It was a lot of fun. And because we there was a lot of rain this particular year, I uh, this particular summer, I got an umbrella hat. And I still have an umbrella hat, and I still wear an umbrella hat, particularly when I'm in Jersey Shore towns like uh, Cape May. And I was wearing this rainbow-colored umbrella hat now, at the t- and, and that I used to pull the tarp out. Now, at the time, I was very good friends with Howard Johnson's daughter, um, and I was very – Shannon. And I was very good friends with Bobby Ojeda's daughter, um, Jana, and, and his other daughter, Jocelyn, who you know later came to work with us. But there was a suite. Um, there was like a, a private box earmarked for the Ojeda and Johnson family uh, for every game. And Howard Johnson was managing the team at the time. And it was not unusual because of my relationship with the Johnsons or the Ojitas to just go up there. You know, didn't have to knock, just went up to the suite, hang out with uh, Shannon, hang out with uh, Jana and Jocelyn and so forth. And there's this game is canceled due to rain. I'm filthy because I just pil- pulled the tarp out onto the screen, covered with mud, covered with rain, just, just filthy as can be. And I'm wearing shorts and a ridiculous umbrella hat, right? And I'm wearing a Brooklyn Cyclones staff shirt. So I do what I would often do at the end of a game, even though the game hadn't been played. It was canceled because of the rain. I go up to this suite, right? I knock on the door, but I don't wait for somebody to say, come in. I just walk in. And then I see not only are, you know, not only is Shannon there, who I was going up there to see, but her father, Howard Johnson, the manager of the team, is there. But in addition to that, Sandy Koufax is there. Sandy Koufax, one of the greatest pitchers of all time for the Brooklyn Dodgers and the L.A. Dodgers. He's there. And Fred Wilpon, the owner of the Mets and the Cyclones, is there at the time. So um, Sandy Koufax is just staring at me. Fred Wilpon, Sandy Koufax's friend from childhood, is just staring at me. And Fred, I could just see the look on his face. He is thinking, I can't believe this person works for me. He said, um, he had no idea who I was. But he's thinking, how does this person work here how can this person possibly work for me? How can he be embarrassing me in front of Sandy Koufax like this? Why is this person just barging in Frank, with an umbrella? I can't concentrate when you look like this. You look ridiculous, man. So I precisely. So I just I, I'm in there with my umbrella hat, filthy, with a Brooklyn Cyclone staff shirt, and I got to tell you, the guy who was so cool was Sandy Koufax, and he says, "Hey, do you know about that hat you're wearing?" And I said, uh, and I don't think I said anything. I was just so nervous. I was stammering like crazy. And uh, Sandy Koufax said, that hat was invented by Lou Brock in the uh, summer of whatever he said, uh, 1966, let's say. I don't know. He said he called it the Brock umbrella. 
And uh, I said, uh, huh, oh, I didn't know that. I, I see, uh, I just thought it was an umbrella hat. I thought I popularized it. He says, yeah, no, 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 it was the Lou, Br- Lou Brock, Brock umbrella. I said, oh, okay, thank you. And then I found some sort of way to politely excuse myself from the suite. But that, I think, is the story that you're talking about. We'll continue with your calls in just a minute. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Meantime, if you are interested... In long-term financial security, then I think you need to think about gold. You know, a lot of people are into crypto now. We're going to do a whole segment on crypto next week. I'm looking on one of the news channels. They're doing a whole segment about Eric Adams taking his paycheck in crypto. And he's got this, uh, he's got his arm around Brock Pierce. And again, I got to tell you, it still drives me crazy that Curtis Slewa was the only political figure of any consequence in the whole country to endorse Brock Pierce for president. And yet, as soon as uh, Eric Adams was the nominee, Brock Pierce endorsed Eric Adams for mayor. I I do, it doesn't sit right with me. And if Brock Pierce comes on this show again, and I I will invite him, but if Brock Pierce comes on this show again, I'm going to ask him about this. But anyway, um, a lot of people think the future is in crypto. I'll tell you where I think the present is, gold. And that's because of inflation. Inflation is a big, big problem. Inflation is at its worst level in 40 years. So if you have an existing retirement account, think about rolling it into a gold or a silver IRA. And if you do that, do it with legacy precious metals. Gold should certainly be a part of every wise investor's portfolio. And legacy is the company that you can trust because they give you unbiased information based on your individual situation. Write this number down. 866-932-0635. That's 866-932-0635. Or you can visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. When you go to that website, it's going to ask you where you heard the information. Tell them you heard about it from me, Frank Morano. Straight ahead. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Questions on any subject. We have one line open right now, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. Got an email here from Ellen. Ellen writes, hi, Frank. If you could make up a dream weekend for yourself and do anything you would want for as long as you would want, what would your activities, what would be your activities and your schedule? That's a good question. I'm sure it would be in Atlantic City. Uh, I am a big Atlantic City person, and I'm sure it would involve gambling, fine dining, a long stroll on the boardwalk, 
um, copious amounts of alcohol and a cigar with uh, with my friends and family. That would certainly be the key aspects of a dream weekend, which to me is why, and maybe this is my fondness for covering Atlantic City, That I do that pretty often uh, in Atlantic City. Uh, so, uh, you know, John Gotti Jr. told me one time, and it's one of the truest statements that anybody's ever said to me. He said, it really doesn't matter where you are. It just matters who you're with. And I have found that to be so incredibly true over the years, and I really do believe that. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Answering your questions. Do my best to answer your questions about any subject. Let me say hello to uh, Gina in Brooklyn. Hello, Gina. Hi, Frank. Frank, before my question, I just want to make a suggestion, if I may. Sure. Try Gorilla Glue for the handle for the mug, if you still have the handle, because I broke something like that, and it worked great. Well, I'll be honest. I just threw away the handle, and, I, you know, look, I think I can just order another one of these mugs, and I and Margo was kind enough to get two for me, so I, I think I think it'll be okay. I, 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 I'm not, and look, I, you could still use it, even without the handle. I think it's okay. Okay, so the question is, if you had to tap dance to an Eddie Cantor song, which one would it be? Uh, it's got to be, it's a tie between making Whoopi and if you knew Susie like I know Susie. Good, I like those. Great. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, Gina. 800-848-WABC, answering your questions on any subject. My friend Sarah is uh, is in the studio. Sarah, say hello to the uh, listening uh, the listening audience. Hello. There you go. Here I am. Here you are indeed. Here you are <laughs> here, indeed. Here now, you, you were telling me you're very involved in this whole crypto uh, space, right? Oh, I love crypto. It's exciting. It is. We're going to do a whole crypto segment next week, so maybe you could steer me towards some good crypto people to talk that would, to. That would be fun. So we'll I, do that. Anything that's innovative, I'm very fascinated by right now. I mean, so am I. crypto, blockchain, AI, Web3. Let's do it. Absolutely. Let's get down dirty. Down and dirty, indeed. Down and dirty is the middle name of Billy in Rockland County. Hello, Billy. Hello. Great show tonight, Frank. Thanks, Billy. I have to criticize your taste in music. (laughs) I don't blame you. (laughs) Anyway, uh, how come you didn't bring up uh, George Bush's vice president and Dick Cheney? I think they're both very powerful in their roles. Well, who's both? Bush and Cheney? Yeah, Bush, the vice president, and Cheney is vice president. Oh, oh, uh, Bush, George H.W. Bush, and then Dick Cheney, you mean? Yeah, as, as vice president, yeah. Yeah, well, look, I think, uh, thanks, Billy, and maybe this is a reflection of my bias. I think um, Bush and Cheney, uh, that administration, and this is just my personal opinion, uh, were, I think they're among the worst presidents in my lifetime, the worst presidential administration in my lifetime. If you look at what happened with the war in Iraq and the one, the um, rationale for going to war, that's one thing. Then the handling of the war in Iraq. Um, and then, you know, his ties to companies like Halliburton, meaning Cheney, 
um, the dismissal of the U.S. attorneys, uh, the then allowing the uh, the subprime mortgage um, uh, crisis to metastasize on his watch. I realize the seeds for that were sowed many years earlier. Cheney, to me, was certainly a very influential vice president, certainly a very powerful vice president. But in terms of a best vice president, I think he's really a cautionary tale. These secret meetings with uh, industry leaders uh, in the energy sector and others that he didn't tell anybody about. I don't give Dick Cheney um, nor his daughter, Liz Cheney, very high marks when it comes to anything. Uh, Look, uh, he is somebody that understood how to maneuver the levers of power. I don't know that there's ever been a more powerful freshman congressman than Dick Cheney was. Uh, His work in the Ford White House, his work in the, um, you know, in Congress, in the first Bush White House. Look, the guy knows power, right? Almost like no one since Lyndon Johnson. My criticism of Cheney is how he chose to exercise that power, and I don't think it was the best thing for the country and the world. That's just my view, though. Look, people are entitled to their own their own opinions. Andrew is in Bergen County. Hello, Andrew. Hi, Frank. Before I ask my question, I'm going to throw a good one-hit wonder song at you. Let me hear it. Certainly not the, certainly not the person, but the song. 1986, Don Johnson, Heartbeat. I love Heartbreak, and uh, I I think it would not be my favorite, but it is a good one. <laughs> so my question is, uh, do you have a John Gambling update for us? How is John Gambling doing? So the last I spoke with John was December 24th. He was on our Christmas Eve show, and uh, we spoke at length in setting up that interview and then during the interview uh, itself. He seems like he's doing great. It seems like he's doing a lot of sailing, spending some time with his grandchildren. He's drinking a lot of vodka. And then uh, as soon as the uh, as soon as the weather's warm enough, I think he'll be doing a lot of golf and a lot of sailing. But, um, you know, he, he seems like he's doing great. We, we uh, had a good time catching up when we spoke on December 24th. And uh, he said he would give me a call when he's in New York next. And I'll look forward to that. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. We're going to do a second hour of this, and we are going to give a prize to whomever comes up with the best question on any subject. You can ask questions about about anything. Uh, Radio, as the caller just did there, about politics, uh, film, television, books, business, you know, cocktails, advice, pro wrestling, gambling, Atlantic City, local politics, Aliens, the mob, you name it. 800-848-9222. Bill is in Huntington. Hello, Bill. Uh, how you doing? Uh, okay, there are two movies called Conan the Barbarian. Are you familiar with both of them? I don't know that I am. I- I've only seen the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. There's Schwarzenegger, and then there was one about six years ago starring Jason Momoa. I didn't see it. I only saw the Schwarzenegger oh, version, unfortunately. Okay. All right. Does that no, make your I, question moot? Yeah, I was going to ask which one was better, Conan, but okay. Do you know a TV show called The Orville? Yes, I like The Orville. Uh, okay. Absolutely. I like The Orville very, very much. I don't get it. What is it trying to do? Well, I don't know. I think it's a... a Thank you for the call, Bill. I think it's about uh, picture Star Trek: The Next Generation 
in a comedic environment, right? Picture Star Trek The Next Generation with more flawed people. That's what I see the Orville as. I think it's funny. I think the stories are great. I think the acting is very good. I think there's a lot of real-world situations. The kind of situations that we experience in the workplace all the time, those are the kind of experience they experience on a spaceship. The little homages they do to different Star Trek episodes and different Star Trek characters I think is a lot of fun. Uh, So I like the Orville. Uh, I think it's a fun show. I think it's a funny show. But uh, I don't know that it's coming back, so who knows? Maybe I'm in the minority. Hey, we'll continue with um, your questions next hour. In the meantime, to be continued. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Everyone, this is the other side of midnight. Have you ever wondered what my answer is to peace in the Middle East? Have you ever wondered who my second grade teacher was? Have you ever wondered my view of the ancient alien hypothesis? Have you ever wondered my analysis of the WrestleMania three match between WrestleMania for Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and the Macho Man Randy Savage? If so, now is the time because we are doing a special extended edition of The Other Side of Midnight. Proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Questions about religion, baseball, relationships. The mob, aliens, New York, restaurants, local politics, Atlantic City, gambling, radio, pro wrestling, the uh, business of radio, books, television, film. Now's the time. There is currently one open line, 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Brown writes in, um, is pineapple still your favorite fruit? Um I think so. You know, I, I like peach a lot. I really do. You know what? More so than liking peach, I like peach-flavored things. I uh, Pineapple's just too much work to do. Uh, and, and Brown was kind enough to get me like a pineapple slicer, which does help. I like the taste of pineapple. But in terms of flavor, I think I like peach. I also like kiwi. I, again, I don't like the work of doing kiwi. And I don't like the work of doing uh, pomegranate, but if it's done for me, then uh, I like both of those. But I might, I, I might have to switch to peach. I might have to switch to peach. The, the fruit that I consume the most of is apple because it's, uh, it's easy. You, you, know, you just grab one and it's like an instant snack. It's an instant meal, whatever the case may be. Uh, he also asks, are you still Frankie Five Burrows? You know, I was never really Frankie Five Burrows except in – that was a moniker that was given to me by Joe Piscopo. And I'll be honest with you, I'm telling a little tales out of school. Um, our, eight years ago, when Joe Piscopo first started calling me that, John Katsimatidis, who's now my boss, who was my friend at the time, he said, you know, you got to get Joe to stop calling you Frankie Five Burroughs. You're not just a New York 
character, which is all I ever wanted to be. I only wanted to be a New York character uh, like Joe Franklin. But um, he said, you know, you have such broader appeal. You have uh, fans and you have an appeal all over the country. You're not just Frankie Five Burrows. So I've never called myself Frankie Five Burrows. And I, I have continued that tradition of not calling myself Frankie Five Burrows. But Joe does. So um, I don't mind it when people call me that. At least uh, it shows they remember me. At least it shows they know who I am. Uh, so I've never called myself that, and I still don't call myself that. But if other people want to call me that, that is just fine with me. 800-848-9222. Uh, let me say hello to, uh, what do we got, Paul in Westchester. Hello, Paul. Hello, Frank. Good evening. Good evening. Um, the apple question, just out of curiosity, green or red? I like both. Like? I like both, but I... Uh, I, yeah. I I probably do red more often because that's what my wife uh, ends up buying. I like the Honeycrisp apples. <laughs> Duly noted. Hey, I tell you, uh, man, I wish uh, we have a one-on-one because I could bring up so many things to talk about. But here's the one I called in on, okay? I'm 40 years old. My first car was an 86 Toyota Tercel, and then I had a Toyota Corolla, you know, and then a um, uh, uh, Toyota Camry, right? All of those cars and then a Civic, all those cars got over 40 miles to the gallon. No problem, right? Now, you know, the last couple of years, I leased cars, right? So, you know, I had a brand new 2012, 2015, blah, blah, blah. Now I have a 2021 Jetta. These cars don't go anywhere near, I would say, not even close to 30 miles to the gallon, even on the highway. And I think personally that... It's set up that way. You're telling me in the year 2021 we can't make a brand-new vehicle with bearing technology and so forth that cannot get 40 miles to the gallon? You know, uh, Paul, you're talking about an area that I know nothing about. I know next to nothing about cars. So it, you're a lot better educated uh, uh, w- uh, you know, about this matter than I am. So I couldn't tell you. I had no idea, quite honestly. I wish I, I, wish I could add something. It, what you say seems to be true, but I just don't know. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-WABC. Let me say hello to Ted in Clark, New Jersey. Hello, Ted. Hi, Frank. Hi. Congratulations and family and everything. Uh, thanks very much. I appreciate that. Okay. Right, uh, question. Um, what are your favorite uh, single-season TV shows? Oh, that is a great question. Okay, well, there's two that most immediate. maybe there's three that co- most immediately come to mind. Okay, one is, I believe it was only one season, um, that the honeymooners with uh, with Jackie Gleason. I know they did the honeymooners sketch on the Jackie Gleason show, but as far as I know, it might have been two seasons. But I think it was only one season. If, if it was, one, yeah, nine episodes, one season. Yeah. yeah so uh, the honeymooners has got to be up there. And I know it's a little campy by today's standards, but the 1979 show Battlestar Galactica has got to be one of my favorites. And then there was a show that was on about 25, maybe 30 years ago that I barely remember, but I remember liking it. It was um, called Nightmare Cafe with Robert England, the actor that played Freddy Krueger. I think it was on NBC. I don't remember anything about this show other than the fact that I that I liked it. It might not hold up if I were to rewatch it, but it was uh, it was good at the time. I enjoyed it. 
My favorite was Kojak the Night Stalker. I don't know if you saw that. Ever. I did see that. I didn't realize that was only one season. Yeah, there was two. There were two movies that did for TV, and they both were high ratings. And they decided to make a TV show, which only lasted twenty episodes. All right. Well, hey, yeah, I learned something here, Ted. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. That's eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Judith is in Virginia. Hello, Judith. Hello. 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 I have a question for you. I'm ready. What do you think the chances are that the Buffalo Bills can beat the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend? Uh, That is such a good question. I'll I'll be honest. I would love to see the Bills beat the Chiefs um, because, look, they they are New York's only football team. But um, I I don't see it happening. I I want the Bills to win. I'm going to be rooting for the Bills. I would love to see the Bills win the Super Bowl after their fans have suffered for so many so many years and gotten so close but never never pulled the trigger. I can't see them beating the Chiefs this year I, or the, this weekend. I can't see it happening. Well, I learned that we don't get all the, their games televised down here, but they did beat the Chiefs in the early part of the season. I know, I know, but I feel like the Chiefs have got a lot of momentum. Look, I, I am gonna I am gonna bet on the in my weekly football pool. I am going to um, bet on the on the Chiefs this, on the uh, Bills this weekend, but in, mm-hmm. it, because that's where my heart is. But I have that's to be honest. Right. I, I think I, I think it's going to be very difficult. Well, let's let's pull together. I, I, I'm with let's, you, Judith. Let's, Thank let's, you. Let's pull together, cross our fingers, and give them all the kudos we can. A- I, amen. Thank you very much. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Got a question here via email from Paul. Uh, Paul writes, "What are your five favorite game shows?" Um, well, the the this is the first one is very easy. My favorite game show is one that I watch every day. Uh, that is Jeopardy. Love, love, love Jeopardy. And uh, we're going to talk about Jeopardy a little bit later with this incredible winning streak that uh, Amy Schneider is on. I love The Price is Right with Bob Barker. That was terrific. Uh, I don't like it as much with Drew Carey, but I love it with Bob Barker. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire with Regis Philbin? Not with anybody else, but with Regis Philbin. Uh, Family Feud is something that I've always found to be a lot of fun with all the hosts. Um, because there's been a lot of good hosts of that show, and they've all been good. And if and then, look, I know this may sound silly because the game show was so lame, but I am obsessed with William Shatner. He hosted for one season a game show called Show Me the Money. It was the most difficult game show in the world to understand, and it was so complicated, it was bizarre, but because Shatner hosted it and because he'd be dancing around there, I thought it was just terrific. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Peter is calling from Queens. Hello, Peter. Hi, Frank. How you doing? I got one question for you because you said something when you were talking about uh, being screwed by uh, justices, and I've been screwed by the Supreme Court Justice of Queens. And you said to go somewhere, if, and I didn't get what you said. That's the question. Well, the appellate division. The appellate division. Oh, just go to the appellate division? Yeah, yeah. If if a Supreme Court justice in New York rules against you, go to the appellate division. Oh, okay. Uh, I I mean, I don't know. I'm too familiar with that. So I could just Google appellate division and get the number and 
the bet again. I don't want to give you legal advice. Um, no, no, I don't but, want. To, I, I know what you're saying. So email me, Peter, if you want, and I'll try and connect you with some lawyers that I know. But, um, but yes, if you look, you. It's a very complicated way that Supreme Court justices are elected in New York. You can be a total political hack and get elected as a Supreme Court justice in New York. I have friends that are on the, on the Supreme Court in New York. They're great judges, so not everybody's a hack, but you can be a total hack. And just because you gave $5,000 to the local uh, Democratic County Committee, you can get a judicial nomination, which is tantamount to being elected. You can't do that on the appellate division. You don't get to the appellate division if you're a hack. Um, the, the judges that are on the appellate division, both Democrat and Republican, uh, are some of the smartest judges in the state. And if your case is egregiously wrongly decided in the Supreme Court, you have a much better chance in the appellate division if you're right on the merits. If you're not right on the merits, then um, – then, you know, you're not going to do well there. Let me say hello to Gene at the Jersey Shore. Whereabouts in the Jersey Shore are you, Gene? Uh, Living Wall, office in uh, Ocean. Okay, great, great community, great community. What's your question, Gene? My question is, uh, what is your favorite Lee Marvin movie? Honestly, there are so many great ones to choose from. I love uh, The Dirty Dozen, but... I'm not picking the best made movie. I'm not picking the best made movie. I'm picking a sentimental favorite because it's the only one that I know of that has two of my favorite actors, including Lee Marvin, acting opposite opposite one another. And that is a musical Western called Paint Your Wagon. Have you seen it? Uh, I probably have seen part of it. I've seen a bunch of, you know, things on uh, replays. Gene, it is weird. It is campy. It is cheesy. It is phenomenal. To see Lee Marvin and Clint Eastwood out there in the Wild West sharing a wife, singing all these weird songs, and actually singing it. I mean, to see Lee Marvin with these, and he had a big, weird mustache in that film. To see him singing um, They Call the Wind Mariah, or Where Am I Going? I Don't Know. How Will I Get There? I Ain't Certain. It's just great to see him, this tough guy, in this gruff voice. It's wonderful. And then to see Clint Eastwood doing the same thing, singing Gold Fever. Love, 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 Paint Your Wagon. A lot of other good Lee Marvin films. Aside from that, I guess I would pick The Dirty Dozen. Christopher Gambino writes, Hi, Frank. I know you don't eat fast food, but I was wondering your take on street food. And if you like it, what's your favorite? I like falafels. I love a good falafel. Uh, with some hot sauce, I you know, depending on the time of day, I've been known to get an egg and cheese sandwich from time to time from a street vendor. I like uh, a good smoothie, which is street food nowadays because of all these street carts that are are, are, are ubiquitous. Um, I have been known, and again, it's not the healthiest thing for you, but I have been known to get those those peanuts that they sell. And sometimes they come with mixed nuts where it's coconuts and almonds. I do like those as well. But if I had to pick one, probably the falafel. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Leo. Oh, excuse me. Esther is in Brooklyn. Hello, Esther. Hello, Frank. How are you? Um, So first questions first. Um, The one that I mentioned to your call screener. 
Um, how many languages do you speak? You know, unfortunately, and this is one of my great regrets, I really only speak one. Uh, my grandfather, who I was very close to, was an Italian immigrant, and Italian was his first language, but he never spoke it um, at home because he wanted his children, my mom and her brother, to learn English uh, because this is the country that they lived in. So he never really spoke it at home, so they're not really fluent in it. And so uh, I, I, he spoke Italian a lot around me, but I never, I never took to it. So unfortunately, I only spoke one. I told my wife as soon as uh, little Carmine is old enough to start absorbing language, I want to start putting on Italian and Spanish language television and radio programming. So hopefully he'll absorb some of it by osmosis. Cool. It's also a good way to keep secrets. You know, you got to have one second language around the kids. Exactly. (laughs) So um, another quick question, if I could, Um, just because I think you're really brilliant. Um, a Jewish Orthodox woman from Brooklyn, um, if my accent doesn't give me away. And um, I think you know a lot, and you probably find yourself in all kinds of social settings and stuff. What do you do in, on the, uh, uh, in the occasion, not that, no, no offense meant, if you happen to be, like, caught in a conversation that you don't know that much about or asked a question about a topic that you're not so knowledgeable in how would you handle that well Esther, that actually happens to me all the time and uh, and i appreciate the call and my sister-in-law is uh, an orthodox jewish woman as well so uh, you guys are kindred spirits that happens to me all the time because i've explained on the radio before i am actually not that bright i uh, am people for some reason maybe because i guess i speak well or i listen when others speak or because i'm able to look up things quickly people think i'm much smarter than i am i am by every measurable respect of completely average intelligence. I am as average as can be. But for some reason, people think I have above average intelligence. So they speak to me as if I have above average intelligence about all sorts of things. And the truth is, I don't know about any of these things. So um, my honest answer is, Esther, when I'm asked a question about something that I don't know about, I actually just say that I don't know. Uh, Whether it's on the radio or in real life, I'll say, you know, I'm sorry, I I know nothing about that. And I actually view it, while I don't know a lot, I do view it as a learning opportunity. Uh, I was talking with uh, my friend Sarah Pistolnik before. She gave me a whole education about uh, cryptocurrency. That's one of the many areas that I know nothing uh, about. But I'm a little bit better informed because of my conversation with uh, with Sarah earlier. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Leo is in Manhattan. Hello, Leo. Good morning, Frank. Uh... Be, be patient with me. I need like two sentences before the question. Uh, 1938, there was a lot of parallels with today and back then. Uh, there was a friend, friend, friend and England was alive with a check. And they decided as the minor incursion of Sudan is, is something to be sacrificed. And it ended up in a blitzkrieg and, and Adolf took over Europe. Uh, very shortly afterwards, when they throw the check in a Munich uh, uh, under the bus. I see a lot of parallels with today's situation with this minor incursion. Do you think there is a chance that Putin would, within a year, take over Georgia, Belarus, Ukraine, part of Poland, uh, Estonia, Lithuania, Latvia, all these small things? That's the first question. If there's a chance you think that Putin would do something like a blitzkrieg? And second part of the question is if uh, Joe Chamberlain 
Neville Chamberlain. Opposed, opposed to Adolf Putin, if he would actually risk a nuclear oh, war to get involved with military. Well, uh, good question, Leo. The second question is I have no idea. I hope not. I hope Biden doesn't pursue another war. I, uh, Leo's question, it was a little roundabout way, but he was basically comparing what the Nazis did in the run-up to World War II with what Putin is doing. Um, I don't think that that's likely. You know why? Because the what you're seeing around the world, in America, in Russia, in Ukraine, in all these countries around the world, is a a movement towards nationalism. Ukrainians want to be Ukrainian. Russians want to be Russian. Germans want to be German. The Poles want to be the Polish want to be Polish, and they want their own nations fitting their ethnicity. Now. I could see a scenario, I hope it doesn't happen, but look, we'll see what happens. I could see an area, a scenario where the Russians that are in eastern Ukraine, and we're going to get into this in a big way on Monday, where the Russians in eastern Ukraine seek to be part of Russia, because I think they view that as their country. I really do. Um, I don't see a situation where you could see a Russian incursion into a country like Poland. Um, number one, I don't think NATO would stand for that. I, uh, I I just I don't see that happening with NATO expanding so much to countries like Montenegro and I believe even Macedonia, although I'll have to check the, the NATO membership list. Get, it keeps expanding so vastly. I, I could be mistaken whether they're currently in or not. All you'd need is one of those countries to invoke their Article five treaty obligations and you would um, you, you would see a war. And so I don't think Vladimir Putin would risk a war over a country like uh, Belarus or Poland or Lithuania or Estonia. I, I don't I just don't see that happening uh, at all, at all. Uh, but I could be wrong. It's not the first time I, I, uh, I am wrong. Bob is in Nassau County. Hello there, Bob. Yeah, Frank. Uh, Bob Grant wrote a book, Let's Be Heard. One of the chapters in there described why he was Kurt or rude to his listening audience. I love that story. Did you ever tell that to your audience? You know, I've read the book. I have the book. Bob signed the book to me. I don't remember what he wrote on that subject, but I'll tell you what, Bob, I will uh, I will look through that this weekend and uh, bring that book in on Monday and read it to folks. Um, and I, I think that people would be interested in that. But uh, Bob was a good friend. And, uh, Cut it out. <laughs> He was kind enough to uh, he was kind enough to uh, give me a copy of that book. Uh, uh, I got a question here, by the way, speaking of uh, of that clip, uh, uh, emailer writes, you mentioned Kung Fu fighting and it played in the background. You mentioned baseball and there was audio of a crowd. Sometimes there's a random insertion of clips of Curtis saying phrases or yesterday a clip of Rita saying something about drinking. Does your engineer think it's funny or endearing? Do you? I have no opinion. It doesn't add value or diminish the program. I'm just wondering why it's done. Some uh, seems like unnecessary effort. Well, Matt, uh, since, since you're the one that plays those sounds, I'll let you have first crack at this question. Well, of course, it adds value to the show. I think it does too. Yeah. I mean, somebody asks a question like that, and the first thing I think of is, "What a Mama Luke." Yeah, I think it's fine. Do not. It's At times you do overdo it a little bit, but maybe a little bit, a little bit. Sometimes yeah. I sometimes, do. You are pretty quick. You are pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, I would have played more if we could have played more. 
Yeah, fair enough. I'm with you on that. Now, I will say, I like it, too. You know what it was? I'm used to running my own board, and just the setup of the studio here is the talk show hosts don't have control over their own sound. Um, So I don't get to play my own sound, so I'm sort of dependent on Matt. So I'd rather him be a little too trigger-happy and play a sound that is a little too eager than to be— the guzzle liquor. See, that's one that we could probably do a little bit less with, but it's. Uh, I think. Uh, I think Matt does a, a very good job. It's probably another one we could do a little bit less with. Uh, Frank writes, um, "What happened to the rooster?" Well, we would keep it. Is the, does the rooster still play during the five a.m. hour, or did the rooster? Oh, it does. Okay, see, that's my contribution to the five a.m. hour. Um, you know, is I. I had a big argument with the former program director of this radio station. I wanted to start this rooster, the show with the rooster always, right? And the rooster. See, it, says, it even says the rooster. And that's still great, right? Good. So they didn't want to play the rooster and they didn't want ticker tape. So I had a, uh, I went 12 rounds with the former program director. And I'll tell you what, the rooster's still here. I'm still here. That program director is not here anymore. We'll continue with your questions straight ahead. WABC. Hey, folks, sit here. 40 days up to 40 pounds. Say it with me. 40 days up to 40 pounds with NJ Diet. It only takes 40 days to lose 20 to 40 plus pounds. That's my guy, Arthur Turovitz. Since NJ Diet is a contractually guaranteed money back program, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. NJ Diet is 100% tailored to you by using bioenergetically personalized supplements based on your hair, saliva, and blood work. Then, NJ Diet uses DNA testing to create your ideal diet plan and workout regimen. going to help you keep the weight off for the rest of your life. 40 days up to 40 pounds can be a real thing, unlike other weight loss systems. NJ Diet is all natural. No shots, no hormones, no prepackaged foods, and no surgery. With offices throughout the tri-state area or from home with live online video consultations. Start your new year off right and call NJ Diet today, 855-5NJ-DIET, or go to njdiet.com. That's njdiet.com, 40 days, up to 40 pounds with NJ Diet. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Wherever you go, go, go with 77 WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Lady Gaga, an interesting article in uh, Variety. Uh, Lady Gaga said that apparently the film that she's in, House of Gucci, which I didn't see. I have no idea if it's the best film of all time or the worst or more likely something in between. She said that her sex scene with Selma Hayek was cut from the House of Gucci. And apparently she pushed House of Gucci and the producers of that film to depict the sexual scenes between she and Selma Hayek. I got to say, all of a sudden, I'm a lot less likely to see that film than I otherwise would have been. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-WABC. Lisa 
writes, uh, what scares you the most? What makes you laugh <laughs> the hardest? <laughs> See, that's a good use of Matt's sound, I must say. Um, what scares me the most, honestly, is a caller that leaves their radio on while they're talking to me on the air. I, I It's not actually true, but it, I do find it incredibly irritating. When, when I, I'm not a violent person, but when somebody calls me, and they leave their radio on while they're talking to me. It makes me be, it makes me go from Doctor Bruce Banner to the Incredible Hulk. I go from zero to sixty. I mean, you know, you wouldn't like to be around me when someone leaves their radio on while they're they're on hold. But in terms of actually being scared, um, I don't get scared by a lot. Uh, honestly, uh, the one thing that I am legitimately frightened of. Is, um, you know, when now that I'm a father for all of two months, if I think of something happening to my child, if uh, somebody were to uh, kidnap or hurt or, God forbid, murder my child, I almost can't even fathom that. Right. And the reality is that happens to so many parents. They do have bad things happen to their children. Uh, You know, that uh, 11 month old that was shot in the cheek in the Bronx this week. If that was my child that was shot in the cheek, I would be uh, beside myself. I don't even know that I would be able to function. In terms of what makes me laugh the most, uh, I have a lot of good friends that really do make me laugh a uh, a great deal. My friend Vinny Ignizio uh, is, I think, maybe the funniest person I know. And uh, he has such a way, he has such a singular wit. And he has a way of putting phrases that make me laugh for hours. And my friend Mario DeRay, who I used to see a lot more often, he uh, has that same way of tickling my fancy. And my friend Arthur Idala, a lot of people know him as a lawyer or as a talk show host or something else. He is so incredibly funny. So I would say those three people, just in the course of regular conversation, they tend to make me laugh uh, more than more than most. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to uh, Corey in Rockland County. Hello there, Corey. Hello, Frank. Hello. Hey, what's going on? So um, my question is that I was listening to the radio uh few days ago and they were talking about the homeless problem in New York City and uh, there were some of the other uh, radio hosts were talking about how it's so bad and I had come up with an, a theory that the radio ho- uh, that the homeless people that they were thinking about these radio hosts were the homeless people in New York City from the 80s and the 90s and they are far different from the homeless people today. And what I mean by that is you have a lot of Vietnam vets back in the 80s and 90s amongst uh, a lot of other people that were just trying to get by, where now you have a lot more uh, unfortunate drug addicts and people that are just self-righteous, thinking, looking for help, and do you agree with that and that's what do, do i agree with what i'm not even sure i'm clear on the question Corey. sorry uh do you agree that the the problem that we have with the crime with the homeless people and all the the thing is is that there's more people out on the street 
they're very different from the homeless. Like the homeless people have evolved to an extent to the sense that they don't we, – we, we look at it – it's a complex. I think it's a very complex uh, uh, dynamic is that these people – we, we want to try and help them, but the problem is is that these people actually need help, whereas the homeless people in the 80s and 90s were just trying to survive, get by. They weren't looking to hurt people. Uh, these yeah. people actually have serious problems because they can't even function in the world. Okay. Well, thank you, Corey. Uh, so um, the answer to your question is yes and no, right? I mean, obviously, they're not the same homeless people as 30, 40 years ago because a lot of those people – you know, have passed on or are in a different situation in their lives than the people today. But I don't agree with your premise that the people that are on the streets these days are situationally different from the people that were on the streets 35 or 40 years ago. And it's so important to keep in mind that when we talk about the homeless, there's a lot of different types of homeless people. And I know that sounds weird, but it's true. You have people that are homeless and live in shelters and shuffle between temporary housing that's one type of homeless person. And I know homeless people that fit that bill. I have friends that are homeless that fit that bill. Um, and then there's the streeted homeless. The streeted homeless are the people most folks encounter that are living um, under a cardboard box, as it were, on the street. Believe it or not, in both New York and in other cities, the the problems that have led these folks to be on the street and to refuse a homeless shelter or other aid are the same problems of 40 years ago. And a lot of times it's mental illness. A lot of times it's drug addiction. A lot of times it's alcoholism. It's not because they fell behind a month or two on their rent. Um, and additionally, you talk about how the people, the homeless people years ago were Vietnam veterans. Unfortunately, a lot of the homeless these days on streets all around the country are still veterans. And to me, that is one of the great sins of our country that we have never really solved the problem of veteran homelessness. And you think about veterans who uh, serve the country and then they come home from fighting with all sorts of issues like PTSD and related issues related to drug uh, drug addiction and alcoholism. And uh, the fact that we as a country have decided that's okay. But I don't agree that they're a different type of person. I think the same issues that lead you to be on the street and choose to be on the street instead of being in a homeless shelter or in temporary housing are the same issues that uh, did so 40 years ago. Additionally, there's a different there's been a different there's been a shift in the laws. There was a Supreme Court decision as a result of a case involving Boise, Idaho, which makes it illegal, essentially, for municipalities to forcibly remove the homeless from the street. That really does limit what municipalities can do. 800-848-WABC. One open line if you want to ask a question. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Marvin in Spring Valley. Hello, Marvin. Yeah, hello, Frank. I was wondering why Staten Island is not part of New Jersey. Uh, Well, it never, it never was right. It would never, it was never part of New Jersey. So, back um, in 1667, the Dutch ceded New Netherlands to England, and um, the Dutch, what they called Staten Island, S T A A T E N E Y L A N D T, 
that became Staten Island, and that became part of the English colony of New York. So um, th- that's that's basically it. And so essentially, the towns and villages that made up that that island were dissolved in 1898 when they voted to become part of the city of New York. So uh, if you want to blame somebody, you got to blame the Dutch back in 1667. And that's one of the reasons Staten Island is still filled with so many Dutch names, including the name Staten Island itself is very much a, uh, a Dutch name. Byron is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hello, Byron. Byron. All right, Byron has other things to do. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Pete is on Staten Island. Hello, Pete. Good morning, Frank. Yeah, about Lee Marvin movies. A great one with John Wayne was Donovan's Reef. Did you ever see that one? You know, I'm embarrassed to admit it. I've never seen it. It's on my list from Netflix, and I know it's a John Ford film, and I love John Ford. I've never seen the picture. Right. Well, it's great. I recommend it. Uh, really, if you're not in a happy mood, after you watch that movie, your eyes will be glowing. I'm I, you know, you. I've heard nothing but great things about it, and I think Dorothy Lamore is in that film, too. Yes, she is. Yes, who's she is. who's uh, one of my favorites of, with the Bob Hope. the people that went on to be big stars afterwards. And my other point is uh, I'm noticing, I live in West Brighton, a lot of unmarked police cars, a lot of plain clothes. This is all happening uh, lately. I'm not contributing to who's mayor now, but it's a big improvement. Good. In fact, you be very careful driving because a lot of these plain calls cars, when they're going somewhere, you know, they come in, they're speeding like to get, you know, you got to watch out, stay to the side of the road. So every all of Staten Island friends out there, be cautious of this. And I'm noticing a lot of uh, shootings in the legs, which Police officers that I know from experience are trained to shoot for the heart or vital areas. So uh, when you shoot somebody in the legs, they basically can't run too far. Okay. Well, uh, Pete, uh, I'll defer to you on the shootings. If there's improvement, that's certainly a a good thing. 800-848-WABC. One, two, three. Three open lines now. It's very rare that we have any open lines when we do and ask Frank anything. But if you want to ask a question, now's your opportunity. 800-848-9222. Mike emails. Hello, Frank. What was your grade point average when you graduated from college? The truth is, Mike, and I'm not dodging your question, I have no idea. I think I paid attention to my grade point average in my first semester in college. But after my first semester, as long as I passed these classes, I have no idea what my grade point average was. I was um, not as studious in college as I wish I were. I did manage to... um, you know, graduate in three years. But my my focus in college was on other things. It was working. I was working here at this radio station. It was on doing internships, doing independent studies. At the time, I set the uh, the uh, Guinness World Record for longest live TV talk show marathon by doing a 33-hour talk show. I wish I would have paid more attention. I wish I would have done more of the readings. But uh, I have no idea what my grade point average was. It was Zero good. Point <laughs> Zero point zero. It was not zero point zero. It was good enough to graduate, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. That's eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Nick is in Manhattan. Hello, Nick. What's up, Frank? How are you? Nice to talk to you. I it's- usually uh, catch the very end of your uh, show. Uh, congratulations on the birth of your child. Congra- uh, very happy for you. Uh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. 
So I have a. Uh, I heard your, um, you know, the the, the various uh, questions. Uh, well, you can ask about anything. Options. I mean, you know. Well, I, well, I figured I'd go for the wrestling question because it's late, late at night and I couldn't think of a really good question. So we'll stick to the wrestling question. So it's going to be a two part question. WrestleMania two. What was the What was the main event? Uh, King King Kong guests? Bundy versus Hulk Hogan in a steel cage. And who were the guest? Uh, commentators well there were a bunch in fact i recently rewatched wrestlemania 2 um maybe a few months ago i remember elvira was one and i remember the right. the, the cat ernie lad was one i don't <laughs> remember the others well ernie lad uh yeah er, but uh the the other guest uh, uh commentator for the main event was uh, was actually bob Uecker. Oh, you know, I thought I know he was at WrestleMania three because I remember or WrestleMania four because I remember Andre the Giant kind of choking him, but I don't remember right, right, Bob Euchre right. being at WrestleMania two. But I'll defer to yeah, you he, if you say that he was. Yes. I'll, I'll defer to you, yes. Mister Baseball. I love Bob Euchre. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you, uh, thank you, Frank. I'll uh, I'll be li- I'll uh, fire another question at you in the future. Thank All you right, sounds good. Thanks, uh, Nick. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. WrestleMania two was interesting. It took place in three different arenas. The only WrestleMania where that ever happened. Chicago, New York, L.A. 800-848-WABC1. Two open lines. If you want to jump on board, now's the time. Let me say hello to Byron in the Bronx has decided to rejoin us. Hello, Byron. What were you so busy doing before, Byron? Can you hear me? I hear you. Where were you before? Okay. I, I was answering your call, but apparently I was on mute or something. Something happened, but I called back. Anyway, good morning, Frank. My question to you is this. Given the history and the status of race relations in this country, if you had a choice, would you rather be born white and live to be 65 years old or born black and live to be 75? I, I, I would rather be born black and live to 75. Okay, you spit that out pretty fast. A lot of people would have to think about that. Anyway, you've answered the question. Thank I, you very and if much, you give Frank. me an option of being Asian and living to eighty-five, I'll choose that. If you give me an option of being uh, uh, of uh, being French and living to ninety-five, I'll choose that. I'm choosing whatever's going to keep me alive longer, irrespective of the ethnicity that I am while I'm uh, while I'm alive. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 one two three open lines. Gene is in Woodside. Hello, Gene. Hi, how are you tonight? I have I talked to someone before from ABC. Um, I got a problem. I live over here on Woodside by the foot of the Kosciuszko Bridge. Okay. And two of my friends, one is dead now. One is dead. The other one's still alive. But both of them were Marines. Both of them got the Medal of Honor for Vietnam. Okay. It's almost impossible to get that medal. And these guys were in the same class up until the fourth or fifth grade. And, you know, the neighborhood has changed. Uh, I think that we should be a good idea. I don't know how, how you go about changing the name of a bridge. Or start a campaign or something, but uh, a few a few crazy things in Times Square. Uh, the recruitment booth is in Times Square. Are you familiar with that? Yes. If you ever walk around the back of that, okay, my friends' names are on that one next to the other: Tommy Noonan and Bobby O'Malley. And I really think that'll be a good name. We hear the Kosciuszko Bridge getting screwed up. You know, everybody nobody can pronounce it. And I think Robert, F, uh, Robert Emmett O'Malley, Thomas P. Noonan Memorial Bridge would be a great name for that, especially in a neighborhood like Woodside. Woodside lost more. In the Vietnam War, someone ran the zip codes after the war. They lost more people from Woodside, died in Woodside, zip is 11377. They lost more people in the Vietnam War than any other place in the country. 
Uh, well, look, I'll, I'll defer to you. It sounds like you know what you're talking about in, uh, in that respect. And in terms of what it takes to rename a bridge, right, there's what it actually takes in terms of the mechanism to rename it. And then there is, you know, what, um, you know, what, what it would take from a PR point of view. Now, the Casiasco Bridge, and again, the name, the two names that you suggested, I think would be a fine improvement. At the rate we're renaming things, why not rename something for a couple of Americans? I think that'd be great. The Casiasco Bridge is uh, an MTA bridge, if memory serves. So it would be their decision. Now, the MTA is run by a board. It's very difficult to get a committee to make any sort of decision. So I think what you'd have to do Gene, uh, in order to have any chance of that happening, is maybe start an Internet petition, maybe on change.org, and try and rally support for the name change. If you launch such a petition, I'd be happy to have you on this show to talk about why that's a meritorious name change. 800-848-WABC. Somebody else writes about the rooster we were talking about earlier. The rooster had a name, but I can't remember it, and it isn't Googleable. It's driving me crazy. What was his name? The rooster's name was Sammy. Sammy is the name of the rooster. He only comes out, as you can tell, for limited appearances for the time being. 800-848-WABC. Three open lines if you want to jump on board in the last 13 minutes of Ask Frank Anything. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. WABC. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Keep us together, Captain and Tennille. It did not keep them together. They ended up splitting up. But um, it could be because they did not make use of the incredible benefits of Life Change Tea. Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com is a phenomenal product. Uh, I was just having an off-air discussion about carbonation. And carbonation really does do wonders for you, right? Is there anything... Is there anything better than when you burp and you bring yourself a little bit of relief? Now, imagine if you could have that feeling of relief all the time. Well, you can with Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. If you're feeling stopped up and bloated, if you're ever feeling constipated, if you're ever feeling as if your digestive tract needs a little bit of a boost, Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com can do the trick. Only available at GetTheTea.com. Use the promo code FRANK. For free shipping, that's promo code FRANK while you're there. You can check out all their other great products designed for your optimum health. Don't miss out. Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. It is the tea that makes you go. Again, a lot of other great products there. There's vitamin C. There's pine bark extract. There's bee pollen. There's colostrum. Whatever you're, whatever you're interested in, they have a product that is for you. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Big Julie in Brooklyn. Hello, Big Julie. Frankie, good evening. How are you? 
listen, I want to make a comment. And I want to ask you this question. A gentleman just called Gene from Woodside, and he was talking about about naming bridges after people, men of on the winners, and so forth from the war. I was from Woodside. I grew up there as a kid. And there was a memorial there for the people most killed in any neighborhood around the country. I don't know why. I want to find out. Do they make a memorial for people who have committed suicides from the effects of war? My brother, rest his soul, was one that came back from the Vietnam War and ended his life. Matter of fact, uh, you know John McCain. Of course you know John McCain, right? Not personally, but I know who he is, yes. Okay. He was on a ship in Vietnam called the USS Forrestal. My brother was two decks below when his bombs blew up. And then when he came back, he was mentally ill from all that. Now, there are so many veterans that have ended their lives from wars. And how come we haven't made a memorial to those people that came back and then the their lives. You know, have any ideas? You know, Julie, like Julie, that? it's no, they don't. And they and they should. And I, I have been active with a group called the Gold Shield. And um, I that's their whole mission is to uh, put an end to veteran veteran suicide. And uh, I, I really think and especially on Veterans Day, this is something that we we talk about a great deal. I believe there should be uh, just such a memorial because when you realize, and you can go to the website, thesimpletruth.us, if you want to learn more about what the Gold Shield does. But um, if you look at the number of people that we've lost, that we lost on September 11th, thousands of people, really just a tragedy. We've lost three or four, we've lost about three or four times that from the wars that we've been in since. September 11th, in the last 20 years. Now, as terrible as that is, we've lost about 100,000 people more than that from suicide in the same amount of time. It's an eye-popping number, and uh, I think that um, veteran suicide is clearly something that the country doesn't have its hand, its, its finger on, and it's something that we need to do. And I think, honestly, that uh, the, what you suggest, a memorial for veterans who've taken their own lives, is certainly, um, is certainly meritorious. In my judgment, those folks are no less victims than somebody that's, uh, that's shot. 800-848-9222. Fred is in Garfield. Hello there, Fred. Hi, Frank. Uh, you were just talking about uh, suicide. Maybe if they gave a memorial for it, it might encourage more. Well, more I, I think that is what some people say. Um, that is what some people say. I guess that's the yeah. counter argument, Fred. All right, two other things, Frank. One, uh, I like you and Curtis Sliwa. Why does Curtis say you go to strangers' wakes for a cup of coffee? Is this a personal joke or something? No, you know what? Uh, look, uh, Curtis is doing what he always does. He's exaggerating. I don't yeah. go to strangers' wakes. However, I do go to a lot of wakes. I have a very broad social group, and I have a lot of friends, right? So when you have a lot of friends, and most of my friends happen to be older, um, a lot of them end up dying. And when you have a lot of friends, there's a lot of friends that have mothers and sisters. He makes you sound like total strangers. No, that's not true. I I go to a lot of wakes. I go to a lot of wakes, but I do know uh, either the the person that's died or their family member. Yeah. That's nice of you. And the other thing is, uh, why doesn't the government freeze prices so they stop inflation? Uh, Nixon did it way back for a little while, but he only faked it. 
But if, if they did it across the board and then make adjustments, they would stop inflation and make the dollar be worth the dollar. You know, it's a good question, Fred, and I've researched this a great deal. I don't think it would work, and I don't think it worked when Nixon did it, right? So Nixon did freeze prices for 90 days, and it worked in doing one thing. It worked in terms of getting him reelected. He won 49 states. But as soon as those price controls ended, it led to a big increase in demand, which caused a shock when those price controls ended. And uh, it didn't work. Uh, if you The stock market plummeted, and inflation it got basically a 90-day respite. But it skyrocketed. So it didn't work. It did. Until you do something to control demand, which you can't really do in a free market economy, you can't it, you can't it, price freezes don't work in the long term. Uh, again, uh, maybe when there's a crisis like um, a shortage of gasoline or the various shortages that we experienced during World War Two, maybe it can work long term. I think Nixon's experiment, and look, I like Nixon. I think he did a lot of good things as president. But uh, I think Nixon's experiment failed in terms of uh, freezing prices to combat inflation. It, it wasn't until Reagan uh, and Carter, for that matter, with Paul Volcker as as head of the Federal Reserve, until Paul Volcker instituted policies to break the back of inflation, policies which were not popular. You know, Julian Zelizer has a very interesting article on CNN.com asking the question, is the Biden presidency doomed? And he goes back and explores the failures of the Obama presidency at this time, the Clinton presidency, and the Reagan presidency. All three of those presidents had massive defeats in their first midterm elections, and all of them were ultimately reelected. And one of the marks against Reagan was his, pop, his policies and Volcker's policies to combat inflation were not popular. But you know what? They worked. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Frank is in Totowa, New Jersey. Hello, Frank. Hey, Frank. How are you? So uh, it's a quick question. You yes. have a, one of your pet peeves or you have an issue with people calling Ukraine the Ukraine? Right, right, because it's not called the Ukraine. That's right. Right, right. But the Bronx is... Bronx, not the Bronx. No, no, it's not. It's the Bronx. No, no. If I, I, I was just wor- I, I work in the city, so I was just at work looking at a new sign that they put up. Uh, Welcome to the Bronx on the uh, Madison Ave Bridge, and it says in capital letters. There's a capital W. The the is not capitalized, and then Bronx is capitalized. So therefore, that would tell me that. The the in the Bronx is not a proper name. Uh, Well, so I I can't speak to the capitalization in the sign that you saw, but uh, the name is the Bronx, right? Uh, It was it was a place that was run by it was owned largely by a family the Bronx, B-R-O-N-C-K. So when people were going up there, they would say they're going up to the Bronx land or going up to see the Bronxes. And so folks got in the habit of saying the Bronx. The proper name of the borough is the Bronx. Uh, The name of the county is Bronx County, but legally and colloquially, it is the Bronx, just like the United States of America has a the in front of it. The Soviet Union had a the in front of it. The People's Republic of China has a the in front of it. 
the Ukraine does not exist. The Bronx has a definite article, legally and colloquially. Um, the county of, of Bronx, as I said, doesn't place the before it, but but it is the Bronx. It is. So um, that's just that's just the way it is. It, the official borough is the Bronx. All right. It is 2.59. I think that uh, probably, though, if you want to hold, we'll try and get to your questions a little bit later. No promises, no promises, no promises. But I think the time has come for our committee of three, Matt, Ryan, and Molly, to select uh, today's best question. Uh, committee of three, do you have a consensus among the three of you? If there's a split decision, well, we'll give you 20 seconds to come up with something. If there's a split decision, so be it, then maybe... We'll see what happens. What do we have, guys? Uh, Gina, the tap dancing question. What, what, what was Gina, the tap dancing question? You don't remember? <laughs> I thought this was so funny. She asked you what song you'd rather tap Oh, what to. Eddie Cantor song. Yeah. Okay, good. Gina, Gina, call back and we will give you a, uh, a the other side of midnight tchotchke of some sort. And the rest of you... Better luck next time. Hey, coming up in just a moment, denunciations. Until next hour, keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Everyone, this is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. You know we're very blessed on this show. Uh, we have a lot of great listeners, including several listeners that have been kind enough to leave me in their will. Those are my favorite listeners, including the very first listener to do that, Janice. Uh, although, honestly, when once you put me in your will, I root so hard for you to live that uh, you're probably never going to die. If my prayers count for anything, that if you put me in your will, chances are you're never going to die. Now. Uh, if you, one of the things that I was saying, we are very lucky because uh, we've seen the numbers. Uh, Molly and I got a look at the numbers last week for the people that listen online. And then two weeks ago, we got a look at the actual radio ratings. And we are doing, uh, thankfully, gangbusters. We're doing very, very well. Much better than this station has ever done in this time slot, at least in the course of the last 16 years. And one of the things that means is we're getting constantly new listeners. So if you are a new listener to this show, if you stumbled upon us because you were, you know, scanning your radio dial until you found something interesting and then you heard Matt Blaze play a bizarre soundbite and you decided to stick around and say, what's that? Then, um... You may not be familiar with what we do each and every Friday morning at 3 a.m., but luckily for you, this is your first entry into The Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciation. That's right. It is time for me to denounce those that need denunciation. I have no problem calling out injustice or shenanigans wherever I see them. 
Sometimes they're serious. Sometimes they're not so serious. But chances are everybody that's on this list that I'm about to read to you has done something bad. And that list includes everybody that is shooting cops. Can we take a break for a few days in terms of shooting cops? In the Bronx, they're shooting cops. Even in, in Staten Island, my home borough, uh, they're, they're shooting police officers. I was driving home yesterday morning. I see a, a cascade of police vehicles and emergency vehicles. Why? A detective was 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 shot. Now, at, in this 16-year-old gangbanger um, shooting a cop in the Bronx, this other miscreant shooting a detective on Staten Island. Terrible. So if you're shooting police officers out there, whether it's in New York or elsewhere... I do denounce you. I also have to denounce, this is a bipartisan denunciation. This is a nationwide denunciation. I want to denounce all of the gerrymanderers. Gerrymandering is atrocious. Gerrymandering is undemocratic. Gerrymandering is a way for politicians to pick their voters instead of voters picking their politicians. And yet... We have a situation where we are seeing Republican-controlled legislatures and Democratic-controlled legislatures gerrymander the other party out of existence. This is absolutely unfair. Now, the biggest joke is what we have here in New York, where we supposedly have an independent commission which couldn't come to a consensus. I could have told you that when they adopted this independent commission eight years ago. And sure enough, it's a total joke. Uh, And now the legislature is going to draw the lines. And sure enough, they're going to draw all the Republican seats into oblivion. It is atrocious that this happens in New York. Florida, no different. In Florida, they're going to redistrict all the Democrats out of existence. This is happening all over the country. And I got to give credit to California, where at least they don't do that. In California, at least they had genuine independent redistricting. And that is something that has not caught on in the rest of the country. I can't understand why you guys aren't demanding it. There are all sorts of um, grassroots efforts that take shape because you, the people, demand them. Remember when you guys demanded that NPR stop getting taxpayer funding? It happened. You remember when you guys demanded that President Obama not bomb Syria? It happened. You remember when you guys demand that uh, taxpayer money stopped going to fund the major party political conventions? It happened. Why do you guys do nothing on gerrymandering? Let's band together. Let's put an end to gerrymandering. Until then, I must denounce all of the gerrymandering, the gerrymanderers, irrespective of party. I also have to denounce the uh, (laughs) Cleveland Browns defensive tackle Malik McDowell. He is an interesting guy, this fellow. Um, He was he walked naked into a local children's learning center parking lot. But as the old game show hosts say, wait, there's more. He didn't just walk naked into a children's learning center parking lot. He then proceeded to attack a Broward County sheriff's deputy. Um, Not surprisingly, the Cleveland Browns are unlikely to retain Malik McDowell, who has no memory of doing so. I'll tell you what. I have not walked uh, naked into many parking lots, nor have I attacked many sheriff's deputies. However, I'd think that uh, if I were to do either or both of those things, I'd remember it. Not so with Malik McDowell. I must denounce Tiffany Camp. This woman is 
really an atrocious person and a horrible human being. If my wife is listening I, on the show live or to the podcast, turn down the radio for 15 seconds because I know she gets very upset when I read stories like this. But it's somebody that must be denounced and it's somebody that I know she's going to really just not be able to sleep if she hears me describe what this person did. Okay, fair warning. This woman is an atrocious human being, and if there is a hell, this person has a an easy pass ticket to hell. This woman actually buried her dog alive. This is a woman uh, from Petersburg, Virginia. The Dinwiddie County Sheriff's Office received a call yesterday from someone who claimed to have witnessed this incident of her, this sick puppy, and I'm talking about the human, not the dog, burying her dog alive. 33-year-old Tiffany Camp has thankfully been arrested. I can't wait until she's convicted. I hope they lock her up and throw away the key. And she, they found this pit bull mix buried inside a garbage bag alive. Um, she's being held without bond. She's being charged with felony animal cruelty. Look, if you can't take care of your dog, there's a lot of places that you can bring that dog to put up for adoption. Uh, if that dog is injured or sick, there's a lot of places that you can bring that dog to be uh, put to sleep, unfortunately. But if you're so demented and strange that you can't do either of those things, you don't bury your dog alive. You're better off just letting the dog roam free and letting him take his chances out there on the streets of Petersburg, Virginia. Until then, Tiffany Camp, I do denounce you. And I have to denounce Dr. Anthony Fauci. You know, I'm not one of these guys that picks on Dr. Anthony Fauci all the time. I think, you know, look, he's made a lot of mistakes, but um, he's done the best that he could in a tough situation. But I found his behavior this week completely sophomoric and completely amateurish. His um, decision to call a United States senator, in this case, Roger Marshall, a moron while he was testifying. I realized he didn't know that he was being broadcast and that it was one of these hot mic moments. And I get the fact that he was frustrated. But look, you're a public official. You work for the taxpayers. It's not um, you're not elected by anybody. And look, those people that Senator Roger Marshall represents in Kansas, you work for them as well. And for you to call the person that they've elected a moron, shame on you, Dr. Fauci. And look, I think name-calling, it's something that preschoolers do. It's something that uh, talk radio callers who have nothing substantive to add to a conversation do. It's not supposed to be for these lauded uh, medical geniuses that, that we count on to lead us through crises. So... My issue with you, Dr. Fauci, is not only that you did this, that you kind of took the low road and called a public official a moron. It's that you undermined confidence, such as it is, in your office. I mean, if you have a choice of a doctor who's going to offer you advice and one doctor calls a senator a moron and then the other doctor says, you know, I disagree with that guy, who are you more likely to take advice from? I must announce Ralph Ellis, who was supposed to be our guest yesterday at 2 a.m. I had booked him for a whole hour. I had prepared for multiple hours for this interview, only to learn that he did not have a telephone. Now, look, 
If you don't have a telephone and you agree to an hour interview and you know you're in England, do you think maybe that's something that you should tell me more than 15 minutes before the interview is supposed to take place? Again, a brilliant guy, a bright guy, a very good writer, a great researcher. But you kind of screwed me. And you wasted three hours of my time, two hours preparing and then one hour on the air. And it's not just an insult to me. It's an insult to these listeners. So, Ralph Ellis, I do denounce you. And it kill, I, you know what I have to denounce? And I have this, effect, this affects many of my friends and family members, and I'm sorry to do it if you're listening. I apologize in advance. I have to denounce all of the people that are posting their Wordle clues on social media. I don't know what Wordle is. I don't want to know what Wordle is. If you're having fun playing it, good for you. God bless you. I hope you have more fun than a human being should be allowed to have. Why do I need to know about it? Why are you posting about it on social media? Just play Wordle and move on. Um, penultimately, I have to denounce, and I hate to do it because I am a frequent indulger in this particular vice. I have to denounce alcohol. That's right. New evidence shows that alcohol is bad for you. A new report by the World Health Federation yesterday shows that no amount of alcohol is good for the heart. Now, this goes basically the opposite of what we've heard of a glass of wine here, a glass of wine there. It's good for you. This particular report by the World Health Federation shows that no alcohol is good for you. Now, there's a lot of criticism of this. People are jumping on this, saying that they don't agree with it. I hope they're wrong. But until there's competing data, alcohol, I do denounce you. And I have to denounce a really reprehensible person, and uh, maybe she can be friends with Tiffany Camp, the dog barrier. I must denounce Carrie Kaviaska. This is a teacher The fact in Connecticut. The fact that this woman was ever in a position to supervise any children is beyond me. This particular teacher has been arrested for leaving her children home alone in Watertown, Connecticut, when she went on a vacation to Florida with her boyfriend. Now, in text messages reveal that what she told her children under the age of 12, when the children texted her about, hey, what are we going to eat? Meanwhile, she has an ex-husband that these kids could have stayed with. Uh, they didn't go to school. Of course, they missed school. Or unexcused absences. That's when red flags started being raised. So the children text this woman, Carrie Lynn Kavioska. And they said, well, Mom, what should we eat? And this is while this woman is running around Florida like, like the rest of the Northeast with her boyfriend. She says to them, just eat candy. She told her children to just eat candy when they asked about what they should eat for dinner while she was gone. The messages also showed that Kavioska was adamant that the children stay in the basement of their home so as not to be seen by anyone. Now, this woman has told investigators that uh, she did go to Florida, but she claims that her brother was home with the children. Doesn't look like that was the case. And the text messages seem to belie that. The text messages that are now public between her and her kids uh, about staying in the basement and eating candy. And again, if uh, that proves not to be the case, I will take back my denunciation. Uh, but until then, Carrie Lynn Kavioska, I do denounce you. You want to comment on any of my denunciations, you're welcome to give me a call. 
800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. In the meantime, perhaps you'd like some gold. Uh, gold is pretty valuable. It was valuable a thousand years ago. It's going to be valuable a thousand years from now. Gold, silver, and other precious metals are hedges against inflation. And ever since President Nixon took us off the gold standard, inflation has been something that we've had to contend with, but nothing like what we're dealing with now. We are seeing the worst inflation that we've seen in 40 years. And if you're concerned about that, if you're retired now or if you're going to be retiring in the future, you need to think about converting your existing retirement account into a gold or silver IRA. If you do that, think about doing it with legacy precious metals. Gold should be a part of every wise investor's portfolio, and legacy is the company that you can trust because they give you unbiased information based on your individual situation. So contact Legacy today. Write this number down, 866-932-0635. One more time, 866-932-0635, or Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. Thoughts, questions, comments on anyone I've denounced, give me a call, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Straight ahead. WABC. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. This, of course, is Paradise um, by the Dashboard Lights by Meatloaf. And it is my sad duty to inform you, if you haven't heard about this already, that uh, we have been informed just moments ago. The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents breaking news. That uh, Meatloaf, the singer and actor, has died at the age of 74 His agent has confirmed this. No cause of death was shared. The musician was born Marvin Lee Aday, died on January 20th with his wife by his side. Obviously a a terrific singer and uh, seemed like a great guy. Was very active in a number of charities and uh, was also uh, somebody that um, was very versatile. You know, he was also an actor. A very good actor, of course. Uh, a lot of people know him as part being part of the original cast of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and um, he is in a film that I just love, Fight Club, where his character of Bob Paulson or Robert Paulson is just terrific, and he plays a character in that film which is uh, nothing like what the meatloaf persona that we came to know was. So he was. Um, 
one of the best-selling music artists of all time, worldwide sales of more than 80 million records, and a real icon in the world of of rock, not only in the United States, but in Europe as well. So uh, he's going to be missed by his fans and I'm sure by his friends and family. Condolences to everybody that uh, that knew him. 800-848-WABC. If you have a meatloaf memory you want to share, now's the time. Now's the time. 800-848-WABC. Meatloaf passing away at the age of 74. Sorry to see him go. Uh, I, uh, I like meatloaf. I like some of his songs. I wouldn't call myself an obsessive meatloaf fan, but uh, he certainly was very talented. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Teresa is in Massapequa. Hello, Teresa. Hi. Hi. So, last night was the first night of the CT show. Oh, well, welcome aboard. Yeah, thanks. And so, I'm just, like, wondering, so now tonight, I hear that you're saying that in 2001, you're rolling out a tarp at at um, the Cyclones. And I'm like, how does this guy know everything? So that's my question. How do you know everything? Well, Teresa, you're very kind, and I hope we can keep you as a listener. The truth is I don't. Uh, I know very little. <laughs> I mean, there is a narrow set of of topics that I know about. I know a lot about minor party politics, particularly in New York State. I know a lot about professional wrestling from the years 1980 to the year 2000. I know a lot about the New York Mets from say 1979 through 2006 maybe beyond that uh, I don't have a tremendous amount of knowledge I know the godfather pretty well we used to do on Wednesdays uh stump frank but then it kind of got old got old when I invite people to stump me with godfather questions didn't didn't I don't know didn't age well but uh, I don't know that much uh, I have a um a thirst for learning about things but uh I wouldn't say I'm particularly I wouldn't say I'm smarter than the average bear at all uh, I just have an insatiable curiosity all right so but you're nice to say that by the way um I have been watching Jeopardy, and I am just amazed at what we are seeing in Jeopardy. This streak that Amy Schneider is on is just remarkable. I think she might be the best Jeopardy player of all time, of all time. I think she may break um, uh, Ken Jennings' record. Ken Jennings, who's been hosting the show, she's already broken... James Holtzauer's record, and uh, I think she is going to make Madame Odeo look like a piker, and I think she's going to break Ken Jennings' record. She has been just incredible. Yesterday's game, where she won $74,000 in one game, it is just remarkable. And I posted an article on my Facebook page at... um, Facebook.com slash Morano fan. And I was surprised at um, the number of negative comments about her on there. Um, 
you know, basically one person writing, oh, well, she's not – she's transgender. She, um, she, she's not a real woman, uh, so it's a shame that she took a spot that a real woman could have. And all I could think is was clearly you've never, you've never seen Jeopardy because they don't award spots based on gender. I can understand, and we'll get into this maybe a little bit more a little later, but I can understand if you're, and I know Rita Cosby focused on this with uh, Caitlyn Jenner. We're going to play some of the audio of Rita's interview with Caitlyn Jenner uh, a little later. I can understand in swimming or, you know, a competitive sport that has people isolated by gender, people being upset about, um, you know, about a person taking a uh, someone's spot. But I can't understand it in Jeopardy where all things are equal, where you just get on and you win or lose based on the amount of clues that you answer correctly. I can't understand the level of hostility um, because she's transgender. All sorts of people were commenting, oh, it's not a real woman. It's not a real. OK, what do you care? She's still smarter than you are. She's still uh, setting all sorts of records. I, I tell you, maybe if you spent a little less time reading books and in a little less time bashing her as not a real woman, maybe you could be on Jeopardy one day. And I loved her response on Twitter where she tweeted on New Year's Eve. This is when she broke the million dollars mark. Now she's way past that. She said, I'd like to thank all the people who've taken the time during this busy holiday season to reach out and explain to me that actually I'm a man. Every single one of you is the first person ever to make that very clever point, which had never once before crossed my mind. And it made me like her even more. I got to say, because I, I thought about all these people commenting on my Facebook page, all essentially saying the same thing. And all I'm thinking of, what does this do? How does this help you by trashing someone's gender? What do you care if she's a man or a woman? She's still in the midst of one of the most phenomenal game show achievements of all time. And uh, now she's done her. She's broken her own personal best record yesterday with seventy four thousand dollars in one game. She's phenomenal. She's absolutely a phenomenal, phenomenal Champion. Now, she talked uh, about Jeopardy recently. Yeah, I do feel like every every game I have to like play my way into the buzzer a little bit at the beginning before I really feel like I'm I'm locked in on it. And she spoke a little bit about her success. This is sort of the peak of my you know performance. I'm not going to be this good at anything else probably. At some point, somebody is going to beat your streak. Bob Beeman's long jump was eventually beaten. That's still the most impressive long jump of all time because it was just so far ahead of what anybody else was doing in, in that time period. And on yesterday's show, she said that to Ken Jennings because Ken Jennings is hosting the show now. And she compared Ken Jennings to Bob Beeman. And she said that Ken Jennings streak, that achievement, doesn't make, make uh, even when that day when that streak is broken, it doesn't make that streak any less impressive just as it doesn't make Bob Beeman's long jump any less impressive because it was so interesting and so unusual and so uh, groundbreaking at the time. And before the show two nights ago, so it would have been, what's today? Today's Friday. So before Wednesday night's show, 
they Ken Jennings, who's hosting, asked her about her pregame ritual. And she said right before the taping starts, when they're doing the countdown, I get the song Lose Yourself by Eminem going in my head. That's what she said. And it gets her into this fighting shape for the show. And she said, quote, it's just a reminder that this is my one shot at Jeopardy and it's staying in the moment. And there's no excuse for thinking about anything else. This is the only thing I need to think about right now. First of all, that's a phenomenal song. It's a great song. And I love that attitude. I love that degree of focus. And I love that way of thinking. And, you know, it's inspired me to some extent. I'm going to try and do more of that, you know, on this show to um, stay. And and you know what? I kind of get the same feeling when we play Enter Sandman at the top of the hour. It kind of focuses me like that. But I don't never really put the same amount of um, conscious thought into singular focus doing the show as Amy Schneider has into uh, into Jeopardy. But I love Jeopardy. It's uh, to me a fun show. I love trying to guess the clues. My favorite day. If you want to know, maybe I'll amend my answer to Ellen's question from the first hour. My favorite day. It happens maybe once every three months. My favorite days are when none of the contestants get Final Jeopardy correct and I get Final Jeopardy correct. That happened once this week with Moliere. I got Moliere. And that happened once about a month ago where I got the answer as North Dakota. It was a Theodore Roosevelt question. Uh, but um, I, I really – it's been fun to watch. And you know what? The ratings are through the roof. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal um, this week. I think it was the Journal where it said, who's the host of Jeopardy? Because remember all the controversy about who's hosting. Is it going to be that guy that got canceled for making a gay joke 20 years ago? Or is it going to be Ken Jennings? Is it going to be the uh, the former star of Blossom, Miami Bialik? And basically the whole tenor of this Wall Street Journal article was, who's the host? Who cares? The ratings are higher than ever, and it's all due to this woman. Amy Schneider is essentially doing for Jeopardy what Babe Ruth did for baseball. And I know that may sound a little hyperbolic, but we don't have our hyperbolic sounder ready yet, so I can get away with a little hyperbole. Um, When Babe Ruth started belting out home runs, it was the dead ball era. Nobody nobody hit a lot of home runs. Nobody. The one year that Babe Ruth started busting out a lot of home runs, and remember, he was a pitcher primarily at the time, but... When he started belting out a lot of home runs, he, I think his first year with the Yankees, and I believe I'm correct about this, I'm not looking this up, he hit more home runs than every other baseball team. There was not another team that had as many home runs as Babe Ruth had. And people would go to the games just to watch Babe Ruth. And after that 1919 uh, Black Sox scandal, Say It Ain't So, Joe, and uh, Judge Landis, and uh, the Eight Men Out, and that whole thing. There was a, a tremendous loss of confidence in baseball. And Babe Ruth brought him back. And I think the hosting controversy and the, the wondering if anybody could take Alex Trebek's shoes, that was a similar existential crisis for Jeopardy. And Amy Schneider has shown she's up to the task. I don't care what her gender is. She's the smartest person I've ever seen play this game. And I cannot wait for a tournament of champions, her versus Ken Jennings and Matt Amodio. That's what I want to see. 
Uh, I cannot wait. And uh, that they, they should put that one on pay-per-view. I'll pay 30 bucks happily. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Rosemary is in Westchester. Hello, Rosemary. Hello, Frank. You know more than you let on to. <laughs> well, I'm not so sure. You're much that, smarter. Come on. Come on. I called to say about meatloaf, and I was just thinking that um, that who those who are a little older, the Bat Out of Hell album is kind of a masterpiece, you know, like one long big story wrapped up and um, his collaboration with Jim Steinem. And I was thinking of it was like the collaboration between Glenn Campbell and Jimmy Webb a little bit, you know? You know, that's a great comparison. And uh, that Bad Out of Hell album uh, is certainly one of the biggest selling albums in American history. More than 14 million records sold. But you're right. The fact that it was a concept album was was pretty new at the time and pretty revolutionary. Mm-hmm. It's a great point. Yes. And I just wanted to say, in both Jimmy Webb and um, Steinem, I think, were performers on their own at different times. Yeah, and, um, it, it's, he's certainly going to be missed. No doubt about it. He was a great artist. And uh, thanks for pointing that out, Rosemary. 800-848-WABC. That's uh, 800-848-9222. If you want to comment on Jeopardy, if you want to comment on Meatloaf, if you want to comment on anybody that I denounced or anything else, you're welcome to. Steve is in Oceanside. Hello there, Steve. Hey, Frank. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Thanks for calling. Yeah, hey, I, I was hoping Rosemary didn't scare my, didn't take my thunder there. She's pretty knowledgeable about the music too. Oh, she sure is. So you, you she, uh, she set a high bar. So you're going to have to work extra hard to eclipse that. Oh, I'm not going to have to work that hard. This one's a good one. I don't know. I mean, you're a very knowledgeable guy. Ted Nugent put out an album in 1976 called Free For All. Half of it was with his original lead singer, and the other half was with Meatloaf. Really? I didn't know any of that. Yeah, it's some of Meatloaf's best. Well, I mean, I'm a hard rocker. I'm, I'm an old guy, but I'm a hard rocker. This album is one of the greatest Ted Nugent albums. It's the al- it's the album right before Cat Scratch Fever and right before his day de- his debut album after he left the Amboy Dukes. I, I'm pretty sure it's '76. It came out in '76. You know, it, 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 it is interesting, Steve. One of the things when when an artist dies, whether it's a singer, a writer, a, a music, you know, a musician, an actor, or a radio person, they play a lot of clips of that person, and sometimes. And this has happened with me with certain people when they pass away. You don't really become a full-fledged fan of that person until you fall in love with whatever they're known for after they pass away. If somebody's listening to this show now, Steve, and they really were not a big meatloaf fan and they want to know what's the big meatloaf deal, what would you say, either in terms of individual songs or in terms of albums, what would you say is essential meatloaf listening? Oh, it's definitely. I mean, look, I, the, the the bad out of the hell, the bad out of hell album speaks for itself. Sure, you know the work that he the work that he did on Rocky Horror speaks for itself. But I'm I'm a rock I'm a hard rocker, and I love Ted Nugent. I'm telling you, man, if you listen to the Ted Nugent Free for All album, you listen to him sing "Writing on the Wall." You oh man, he's so powerful. It, 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 it's just a really awesome story. Well, there you go. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Steve. 800-848-WABC. Jerry is in Basking Ridge. Hello, Jerry. Hey, how you doing? Well, um, um, you know, in spite of Meatloaf's passing, I'm still hanging in there. I'm doing okay. I'm doing the best as can be expected in a meatloafless world. 
Yeah, I'm very uh, I'm very sad to say about uh, his his sorry to hear about his passing. Um, he was an, an, an iconic guy in my mind, and uh, uh, I don't know what else to say about him. Really, you know, he was just he was just a good guy, I think. And um, what do you how do you call it? Uh, he, he he did a movie called. Uh, uh, roadie or something like that uh, with uh, with Art Carney many years ago, and I tell you, I could watch that movie over and over again. It's, it's just a, 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 a an awesome freaking movie. Excuse my French. You know, um, I, I never saw that. It's it's Roadie or Roadies. It's one of the two. I'm not sure where he is. Uh, an actual Roadie where he takes care of the equipment and it's and, it's, and stuff. And uh, he, uh, he 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 ends up. It, 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 how do you say he uh there's one part in the movie where he falls off the scaffolding he's he's viewing the concert that he's that he's roadieing for and he he gets drunk and he falls off the scaffolding and he falls about maybe 30 40 feet through this floor and uh, it's just a hilarious movie uh it's something you have to see i will check it out uh thank you jerry appreciate you pointing that out 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Julia is in New Jersey. Hello, Julia. Hello there, Frank. I, I enjoy your program. Oh, thanks. I'm wondering how you could get through uh, college in three years working. I would think it, a person working, it would take at least four years or more. Well, you know, it's a good question, Julia. I really had to beg, borrow, and steal my way through college. So I was not a good student, but I was a hustler, right? I still am a hustler in that I – before I went into college, I had some uh, what they call AP or advanced placement credits. So you have college credits going in to college. So you have some from that. I had a a bunch, but NYU would only accept – if you got a four or a five on your advanced placement test. So I took a bunch of AP courses, but the only one that I got a four on was political science, shockingly, right? But uh, so that's the only one that I got credit for. Everything else, I didn't get uh, credit. Then I, uh, I, was, I went to a division at NYU called Gallatin where you could do all sorts of internships. So I did internships and got college credits for those internships. Now, NYU doesn't care because they get to cash your check. You're paying for the credits. So they're not paying for a teacher to instruct you. You're not sitting in a classroom using their energy. You're not using any of their resources. You're basically working and paying them to work. So I I like internships, and I've always been a big proponent of internships. But I interned at a lot of different places. I interned at uh, Fox News. I interned at the Brooklyn Cyclones. I interned here. And I got some college credits uh, doing that. Then... I was able to um, – I, I took classes during the summer, and I was able to – I don't know how I did this still. When I set the Guinness World Record for longest live TV talk show marathon, I was able to persuade both my faculty advisor and a professor of mine, Barry Goldsmith, who's been a guest on this show. He's a great guy, and sometimes he's on talking about travels. He's a former comedy writer, architectural history professor. Sometimes he's been on talking about uh, comedy. And that's why I'm always really in Barry's debt because he really looked out for me a lot when I was in college. So whenever I can offer him a helping hand with anything, I always try to do so. But um, he and my faculty advisor actually let me do my Guinness World Record-breaking show as an independent study. 
So I got, I did basically, I got, they counted that as a whole semester's worth of work. And it was, I learned a lot doing it, and I think it's legitimate, but I, you know, look, it's a little unorthodox, to say the least. Um, at, there were times when, I, you know, I didn't go for, to class for a while, I didn't p- turn in some assignments for a while, and I basically had to throw myself on the mercy of um, XYZ professor. And more often than not, these professors were very sympathetic. And I've never forgotten all of those professors that helped me out uh, during those times. I've always tried to help out whenever I've had the opportunity to do so. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Carol is in New Jersey. Hello, Carol. Hi there, Frank. Um, I'm very sad to hear that Meatloaf died. Um, I think he had one of the greatest voices in rock. There was only one person that I think had a better voice than him, and that was Freddie Mercury, because he had, he could have been an opera singer. He had such a range, and I I think he was incredible, really. Oh, no doubt about it. I'm a a big Freddie Mercury fan as well. My friend Coach is uh, Mr. Freddie Mercury. If you go to my friend Coach's house, he's got Freddie Mercury houses all over the place. So uh, I am a uh, big fan of both of their talents, that's for sure. 800-848-WABC. Lamar is in Manhattan. Hello, Lamar. Uh, Mr. Morano, I'm not intimately acquainted with your career, but I assume you've been in the media for some time, and I find it shocking that a man of your sophistication would believe that this transgendered person that you made reference to on that show I think it was called uh, a game show of some kind, uh, who is so brilliant that this is mere happenstance. We know that for some time there have been elements of our society, particularly in Hollywood, who have been attempting to normalize everything that is dysfunctional and not normal. You know, Mr. Morano, this used to be a country that was famous for breeding giants. We have become a nation of eunuchs. We were a nation that celebrated and honored men like Teddy Roosevelt, whose statuary was recently removed from in front of the Museum of Natural History, and all for what? All for what? In order to appease groups that hate our flag, hate our country, hate the God of our fathers, hate the founding fathers themselves, Lamar. and in the final analysis, hate us. Lamar. Uh, Mr. Barana? Well, you can call me Frank, number one. Where I, I'm calling, I'm going to call you Lamar. We're informal. You can call me Frank. Um, don't you think you're, for, so just so I understand the theory behind what you're saying, putting aside the Teddy Roosevelt aspect of things, don't you, so what you're saying is you think they, the producers of this game show Jeopardy have rigged it to allow a transgender person to be the 39th, uh, have win 39 games in a row? You think it's rigged? Uh, Mr. Morano, we know for a fact that there was a game show, very popular once upon a time in this country, where that exact scenario occurred. It was a great scandal. Well, it I, would not I, be the first. Yeah, uh, and Lamar, thank you. Um, and I love your North Carolina accent. It reminded me of uh, my old friend Barry Farber for a minute. But um, first of all, I think you're being a little, a little silly. Com- you know, even mentioning, um, an- uh, you know, this Jeopardy champion 
and the taking down of the Theodore Roosevelt statue. I mean, the two issues are not at all the same. I think it's fine to watch a game show, enjoy a game show, and also be opposed to taking down the Theodore Roosevelt statue. Uh, number two, um, the game shows now are very, very heavily regulated. I have spoken with uh, a lot of contestants on Jeopardy, both on the air and off, and one of the questions I always ask them is, what was it like to interact with Alex Trebek? And one of the things they all say is, he didn't interact with the contestants except when he was reading clues because of that same quiz show scandal of the 1950s. That quiz show scandal really did reform game shows going forward. Um, look, I'm all for conspiracies. You want to talk about JFK assassination? I'll be with you till the cows come home. I had on my list, I didn't get to it last hour. We'll either get to it today or save it for Monday. This Whitey Bulger situation. You want to tell me that he was whacked and the government was in on it? Fine. Epstein whacked and the government was in on it? Fine. I'm with you. Uh, Martin Luther King assassination, government cover-up, I'm with you on that. I cannot entertain at uh, for a second that Jeopardy is rigged. The reason that Amy Schneider is winning is not because the game is rigged. It's because she's smarter than everybody and because she's faster with her buzzer than everybody. She's better at the game. And that's why it's so I impressive to see what I consider to be a once-in-a-generation game show talent, really a once-in-a-generation intellect, be, um, be uh, d achieving this kind of a streak. It's really remarkable. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-922. Uh, I, I see no similarity between the Theodore Roosevelt statue and Amy Schneider on Jeopardy. None. Uh, I mean, I don't see anything. Um, hey, by the way, we want to encourage you to join the Facebook group. Um, you can go to Morano Radio, Fans and Haters, on Facebook. That's M-O-R-A-N-O Radio, Fans and Haters. And uh, you can join the group. We always applaud the conversation starters, like uh, like Ellen. And uh, Ellen says um, of, of Matt Blaze that she enjoys the sound effects that he plays and that she used to listen to you, Matt Blaze, in central Jersey. Now, if people don't know your radio history, uh, tell folks, where were you on the air in uh, central New Jersey? How amazing is that? We were just talking about this, you and I, tonight. See, I, I, I have more of a belief <laughs> that this is rigged than that Jeopardy is rigged. <laughs> right. Yeah, but you that, were telling me about this before the show. And that Ellen And then it just so happens she posted about it, which leads me to think that... It sounds like it was Yeah, right. yeah. I, I, I'm not... I, I ascribe a much higher degree of character to the producers of Jeopardy who I've never met and don't know than I do to you who I work with every Secretly day. Secretly in cahoots with yes, Ellen. Yes, with Ellen. I, I <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. So what's your deal? Uh, where where would people have heard you before So before you this, they would have heard me on the Tommy G Show on WCTC in central New Jersey, which is now a sports station. But it was on – they just switched to sports in September, and that's where I was for five years. And what what did you do on the uh, the Tommy G show? I co-hosted the show with Tommy G. What did you talk about on it? We talked about things, uh, news of the day, a lot of Jersey uh, centric talk, and anything else going on in entertainment and news of the world, and just anything and everything. I feel like you should be better informed if you hosted a a, a news of the day style talk show that I am now. Then you are now, yeah. Well, it, it was more. It wasn't a political show, and it was just about. 
whatever was going on, whatever topics were the hot topic of the day. And I said it was centralized uh, um, New Jersey. Gotcha. So there's a lot of Jersey stories, but it was about entertainment as well and just topics. Well, you have a fan in Ellen. You have a fan in Ellen, but I appreciate that. She's a fan of mine, so she's got questionable taste. I guess, I guess she, we took, she, you took her away. That's right. That's, That's right. What it seems like. That's right. 800-848-WABC. John is in Garden City. Hello, John. Hey, Frank. Uh, in regards to meatloaf passing, may rest in peace. But there's a bit right now. I just saw him on the Mike Huckabee show where he's being interviewed by um, – meatloaf is being interviewed by Mike Huckabee. He explained how as a kid – they went when when JFK was in uh, in Texas. Um, they went to see what he was, he was speaking at some arena, and they actually meet him at a gate. And they meet JFK, uh, you know, quickly. And then they hear on the radio within like you know a certain amount of time that he was assassinated. And he explained how they went to the actual site where he was shot, the hospital, and uh, how they saw the limousine and how an F- actually they were driving. An FBI agent stopped them to grab, jump in their car to get to the location. Very cool story. You should watch it. So. It's on YouTube, but I will. Yeah, I'll, I'll check yeah. it out. That sounds uh, that sounds really interesting, actually. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. So, so much, you know, assassinations and uh, so forth. And yeah, but I thought it'd be something to talk about. But anyway, thanks so much, Alyssa. I love the show. Uh, well, You're that's welcome. very kind of you, John. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. By the way, um, uh, I am on Twitter, at Frank Morano. That's uh, Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O. We are just shy of 7,500 Twitter followers. So just follow me on Twitter, even if you don't care about the things I'm saying, because it's so annoying to be at, like, 7,491, I'd much rather be at a nice round number, like 7,500. So just follow me on Twitter, at uh, Frank Morano. And... Um, so, uh, one Twitter user tweets at me, aside from the totality of Amy Schneider's achievement, what I find most interesting is her performance when she has a daily double all to herself. As the question is being read, she has the look of an animal ready to pounce on its prey. It's fascinating. You know, I don't know that I've noticed the look. I have noticed that she does bet more conservatively than I would. There was like a daily double yesterday, for instance, where she was twenty, thirty thousand dollars ahead of her closest competitor. And when it came time to make a wager, I said, "You got to wager twenty thousand. Wager twenty thousand," because she knew she was going to get it. And they only wage. She only wagered five thousand. So she's very, very conservative. And what I do like about her, and it drove me crazy about James Holtzauer and Matt Amodio. I like when you find a clue in Jeopardy to start at the low dollar total, start at 200 and then work your way down to 1,000 or, you know, the, the higher amounts for the double Jeopardy round. Start from the top and go to the, the, the bottom. I hated with Matt Amodio and James Holtzauer that they would skip all over the place. I like to start from the beginning because the it's like the $1,000 minute. They give you... Um, they give you escalating difficulty in terms of the question. So it gives your, your brain kind of an opportunity to warm up a little bit. She does what I like and what I would do. She goes from the top and down to the bottom. She doesn't start in the middle like these other jabronis. And uh, Douglas McKillop writes, where is my baseball cap, please? Wasn't Molly supposed to be investigating that? Gordon. Um, Molly, there you go. It's yet another Molly complaint. Uh, no baseball cap. So there you go. We'll please work on Gordon's 
baseball cap, if you would. Hey, uh, we'll continue with your questions, your comments in just a moment. But I do want to encourage you to try Life Change Tea from GetTheTea.com. It is a wonderful, wonderful tea that you can enjoy either hot or cold. And it is a gentle daily cleanse that tastes great and works to get things moving. Stress can wreak havoc on our digestive tract. Following, if you, and if you're feeling bloated or constipated, that's not healthy for you, and you just feel crummy. Life Change Tea is a great way to get a little relief. It's all natural. It's non-GMO. One package will last you an entire month. And it's only available by logging on to the website getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. You can use the promo code FRANK and enjoy some free shipping. It's promo code FRANK, getthetea.com. They have a ton of other great products which you can enjoy. Getthetea.com, promo code FRANK. W-A-B-C. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. If you're just tuning in, uh, rock legend Meatloaf has passed away. Um, so I got one email here. Uh, I just want to clarify. Uh, who's, uh, the, the person writes that I sounded happy that the former program director was gone. I'm not happy. I, I mean, I, he, he is doing good things in another market, and I, I liked him. We got along. I just thought it was absurd that of all the ways to improve a radio show, his idea was to do away with my rooster and the ticker tape. That didn't. It didn't. It, first of all, they they initially had that show, the early news, called the Executive Hour, which is the dumbest name, the second dumbest name for a radio show in history, and um, it was ridiculous. That lasted a week. I had to get to our owner John Katsimatidis. He had to say, "Okay, of course this is stupid," and then. I had to lobby John. No, it didn't take much lobbying. John said, yes, of course there should be a rooster. It's early. So I just thought it was ridiculous that the way – and it's not unique to him because all program directors do this. The What they do to try and improve a show. Oh, do away with the rooster. That'll do it. It was so stupid. By the way, Molly informs me that we are currently only uh, 11 Instagram followers away from uh, hitting a milestone on Instagram. So please follow the show's Instagram page at 77WABCOSOM. That's for Other Side of Midnight. 77WABCOSOM. If you go to that Instagram page, 
We have a link to all the great merchandise you can purchase for this show. My mom bought two shirts on there yesterday, and we need other people buying things also. There's all sorts of great things on there. There's a beer stein. There's a fleece blanket. There's sweatshirts. There's coffee mugs. I need a new coffee mug now that I broke my James Garfield coffee mug. Uh, there's all sorts of great things. So that's all on the Instagram page. And uh, Molly has asked me to give a special shout-out to our 500th follower, which I'm reluctant to do, I have to be honest, because my fear is then that will leave everybody not wanting to follow now. They're just going to wait until we're at 499 followers and then want to be the 500th one. So if you're the 500th follower, we may give you a shout-out. We may not. We're not promising you a shout-out. You should follow the Instagram page because it's the right thing to do, not because you're expecting some some remuneration or recognition. Um, hey, you know what? I, and by the way, we do want you to subscribe to the podcast. A lot of people really enjoy listening to the podcast. If you haven't done so, uh, it's a great way to listen to this whole show in its entirety each and every day. All you have to do is either go to WABCRadio.com and look for me, my name, Frank Morano, or The Other Side of Midnight. Or if you have a podcast app like iTunes, Google Podcast, uh, Spotify, just search The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. There apparently is another radio show called The Other Side of Midnight. So you have to specify The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano and then hit the subscribe button and you'll automatically get this show downloaded to your phone each and every day. And uh, a lot of people uh, like this show as a podcast. Apparently it works just as well if you're listening to it on the other side of noon as you are on the other side of midnight. We will connect. We will um, take some of your questions and comments in just a minute. 800-848-WABC. Should lying about your history cost you a scholarship to college? We'll explore it straight ahead. Your influence counts, so use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. It's Friday. TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Frank. The weekend is here. Hopefully you're doing something fun this weekend. I'm counting on a lot of football this weekend. Looking forward to seeing the 49ers tomorrow night. I've got my fingers crossed for the 49ers. You know, when I was a child, um, my favorite teams happened to be you know, it's funny. This is my first time drinking coffee out of this mug with no handle. It really does make a difference, not having the handle. I, I, I may just order another one. It's a shame. Um, poor Garfield. I mean, look, I have another one at home, I think. I think it's at home. I'm pretty sure it's at home. But um, at least it keeps your hands warm when it's this chilly. When I was a child, my favorite, um, my favorite teams were the 49ers and the um, Bills. 
And so it's funny that they're both in the playoffs. And I, I still – look, these days I root mostly just for the Jets and Giants. I don't enthusiastically root for one football team. I just like watching the games. But uh, it's funny that they're both in the playoffs this year, and I'm rooting now again for the, for the Bills and the, um, and the, and the 49ers. But um, then when Joe Montana went to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, I rooted for the Kansas City Chiefs in addition to the 49ers. There was a couple of years where um, you had Steve Young as the quarterback for the 49ers and then Joe Montana as the quarterback for the, um, you know, for the, for the uh, uh, Chiefs. And I, and I ended up rooting. I, I like rooting for both. So it's funny to see the, the, Chief is, the Chiefs in there as well. Let me tell you a story. As a college student. She essentially says, I grew up hard on these streets. Yo, was in and out of foster care, and I'm the first one in my family to go to college. Apparently then, the Rhodes Scholarship Committee said, oh, no you didn't. You went to a prep school, your mom is a radiologist, and we're taking back our scholarship. In a nutshell, that is precisely... What has happened to a to Mackenzie Fearston? She is a University of Pennsylvania student who has had her Rhodes scholarship revoked and her master's degree withheld after allegations have surfaced that she was lying about her first-generation low-income status and life in foster care. This is according to an investigation by the Chronicle of Higher Education. Upon graduating with a bachelor's degree in political science at the University of Pennsylvania in 2020, Fearston was one of the 32 Rhodes Scholars chosen from more than 2,300 students in this country. That's according to a statement from the University of Pennsylvania. Fearston was in the process of completing a clinical master's degree in social work, also at the University of Pennsylvania. So a November 2020 story in the Philadelphia Inquirer lauded, lauded Fearston for her accomplishments and included an interview with her. Quote, statistics show that only 2% of foster youth graduate from four-year universities, and most also do not even graduate from high school. That's what she told the paper. The overwhelming majority of us, not them, us, do not, excuse me, the overwhelming majority of us do want to graduate high school. It's just that because of a million systemic factors and barriers and obstacles and systematic oppression that everyone faces, it's just very, very challenging. I hate that systematic oppression. I just hate it. I hate the words systematic oppression. I hate the concept of systematic oppression. You know who's got to deal with systematic oppression? Everybody. You, you know what you do? You deal with it. That's the system. After this article was published in November, so I already don't like this woman. The fact that she's using the term systematic oppression to make clear that you know how great she is. After this article was published in November of 2020, an anonymous tip was sent to officials at the University of Pennsylvania and Rhodes Trust saying that Fearston was, quote, blatantly dishonest in the representation of her childhood and included photos of Fearston skydiving, riding a horse, and whitewater rafting. 
do most foster people, do most foster children get to go skydiving and horseback riding and whitewater rafting? I don't think so. So the university and Rhodes Trust then launched an investigation into Fearston's life, trying to understand what parts of her story were true. So what'd they come up with? Well, and you, in a statement to USA Today, the university said, Penn and Rhodes Trust received credible information that called into question statements Fearston made in her applications for admission, financial assistance, and scholarship. According to the Chronicle, the investigation revealed that Fearston, listen to this, what a liar. Fearston attended Whitfield, a private school in St. Louis with a tuition of nearly $30,000 a year. Her mother was a radiologist with a college degree. The newspaper also said that there were some records of Fearston facing abuse from her mother resulting in hospitalizations, but claims that Fearston made about the extent of the injuries and her mother's involvement were shaky. So Fearston has now filed a lawsuit against the University of Pennsylvania over the investigation. So in a statement... To USA Today, the college said, we are disappointed that Mackenzie Fearston has chosen to file a lawsuit, especially after she has received so many opportunities at Penn. Ordinarily, we do not comment on pending litigation. This matter, however, is far from ordinary. There is no basis for Ms. Fearston's claims. We are confident that Penn and the individuals named by Ms. Fearston as additional defendants will be vindicated in the litigation. So the University of Pennsylvania is saying that the Rhodes Trust gave Fearston the opportunity to withdraw her candidacy after a comprehensive report was provided to her and her lawyer, after which Fearston then declined to withdraw her candidacy. So... Those are the facts. Look, obviously she has a different point of view or she's claiming something different. But it appears that this woman, Mackenzie Fairston, lied about being in foster care. She lied about being the first in her family to go to college. She lied about key aspects of her upbringing and her biography. She made it out to the public and to the colleges and to everybody, the Rhodes Trust, that she was a a real Horatio Alger story, Uh, somebody that was entirely self-made, that uh, lived in foster care and came from nothing to be this huge postgraduate scholar. And now her Rhodes Scholarship has been revoked, and her master's degree is being withheld. So my question for you is, is this right? Look, she did the work. No one is saying that in college she didn't do the work. She got the grades, she took the courses, she put in the work, and she presumably earned those grades and presumably earned those degrees. Should the fact that she lied about her upbringing and made it sound as if she was this impoverished, abused child who came from nothing when in actuality she attended private school and was a child of privilege, should that cost her her Rhodes Scholarship and her master's degree? Because as of now, it looks like it will. What say you? 
800-848-WABC. That's the question. 1-800-848-9222. Should Mackenzie Fierston have to forfeit her master's degree? A question. Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. What do you think? 800-848-WABC. Two open lines if you want to jump on board. 1-800-848-9222. I'm very conflicted about this because I obviously what she did is reprehensible. What she did was atrocious. What she did is dishonorable. Should that cost her her master's degree? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Uh, Look. She lied her way into this Rhodes Scholarship. She lied her way into this program at University of Pennsylvania. But she did the work. Should that count for nothing? I don't know. I'm very ambivalent. I have mixed feelings. Maybe you can help me make up my mind. Maybe this is one of my great failings as a talk show host. You know, I listen to other talk show hosts. And they, they they have no problem taking a position on everything and anything. And they come to a position and they, they defend it. You know, no matter what, facts, schmacks, I'm not changing my mind. Me, I tend to be a little wishy-washy. Maybe it's a reflection of um, either that lack of intellect that I've spoke about earlier or just being lily-livered. 800-848-WABC, what do you think? Let me begin with Sam in Brooklyn. Hello, Sam. How you doing there, Frank? Great show. Thanks. It's very enjoyable. Uh, for sure, she should lose her uh, scholarship and, and credentials. You know, she, she blatantly lied. The problem is her lawyer is going to make a case that she identified as that type <laughs> of person, and that's why in her mind it's illegal. You know, Sam, I didn't even think of that, but you're exactly right. Who are we kidding? That's the era that we're living in. Of course she's going to do that. So there you go. Sam says she should lose her degree. What do you say? 800-848-9222. College student lies about their biography should they lose their degree. This is not a hypothetical. It could be, but it's not. 800-848-WABC. Haley is in Riverhead. Uh, Haley, are you listening to us on uh, 107.1 FM? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely listening. Wonderful, great. Uh, even, uh, I even was listening way back when you were talking about uh, William Shatner, and I happen to have had a crush on him, loved Star Trek, and I don't know if you got to see the episode of The Big Bang Theory where he was playing Dungeons and Dragons. No, you know, actually, I don't watch The Big Bang Theory. I'm told it's a great show that I would like. It's on my list. And uh, I'm, well, look, I mean I, that one episode, yeah. I, I've seen clips of it, and it, it's, it's in a documentary that Leonard Nimoy's son made. They have a clip of it. So it looks like a very enjoyable uh, episode, but I haven't seen it. Uh, but uh, I, and, I am uh, the it, world's biggest it, William Shatner fan, as we know. Yeah. Much to Sid Rosenberg's chagrin. I had chagrin. a crush on him. And I must say, when it comes to Meatloaf, there's a, a movie called The Book Club that's very funny. It's got, uh, like, Mary Steenburgen. And you know the guy that used to play Coach? Oh, yeah. They dance. They dance to one of Meatloaf's songs, okay? Uh, I got to check that that out. It's called The Book Club? Right. It's called Book Club. Yeah, The Book Club. You're talking about about Craig T. Nelson, the actor who played coach on on that show, not the actor? Exactly. Exactly. Bingo. Bing, bing, bing. That's it. Yeah. Great. Okay. And uh, my my other uh, couple of quick things I wanted to mention, Uh, back in the day, uh, there's a TED Talk, and it's got Bill Gates 
And he actually mentions uh, it's, po- it's called population control. And he talks about how we're going to use vaccines and other things to mm, population control. There's also uh, a thing where he went with uh, Fauci to Africa. And the next thing you know, Ebola. Mm. So skipping forward, my other question or thing to throw out there is when it comes to, like, for instance, um, the eviction moratorium that went went down, there's people like, you know, my friends and everything that have actually kept up with paying rent. But because the house was sold for cash, they get evicted. And and because of COVID, hmm. it's very hard to find new places, especially on the North Fork. I remember when I got in where I am, it was only uh, like three places advertised in six months on both forks. So it's just a thought. Yeah. Uh, it's very it's, hard to find places. I can so. imagine. I can imagine. And being over 60 and having to look for places to live when, like you say, people buy stuff for cash and you don't get the Oh, you know, uh, no, I, I can imagine think. how challenging that is. Sure. So just thought I'd bring that up and also how they make tiny homes illegal in so many states. Uh <laughs> All right, Haley. Well, thank you. I want to focus still on this woman who lied her way into a degree. I'm curious whether people think she should lose this degree or not. 800-848-WABC. Matt is in Rockland County. Hello, Matt. Do you have comments about uh, Bill Gates and the eviction moratorium and uh, the Big Bang Theory? No, I, I don't actually. I just have a comment on this woman lying her way through college. Well, you, you have you have a comment on the topic we're actually talking about. That's right. How yeah. dare you? Uh, How dare you? You called the wrong show. Uh, but I, I do think that it sets a polar example. Um, I think virtue is dead, uh, and I think one of the main things you're supposed to learn in college are those virtues. I think that was the original reason for college is to make uh, uh, our future leaders well-rounded, virtuous individuals, and um, this sets a poor example. It's actually, uh, she got, she received something for free, and um, it, it's, it was unwarranted. She, she lied to get in there, and there were plenty of people that would have potentially uh, been able to take advantage of that program had she not been in that place. And so it should be uh, taken back. It's essentially stealing. Well, look, uh, you make a very compelling point, and so far you and Sam in Brooklyn are on the same page. 800-848-WABC. Dave is in Ohio. Hello, Dave. Hi, good morning. I enjoy your show. It makes my ride to work a breeze. Oh, you're awfully nice to say that. Thank you, Dave. I say that she should lose her, not only should she lose her, uh, the things that she gained by constructing a willful, uh, weaving of lies and deception, but she also committed lies of omission. She failed to disclose that she had a gross, a life of gross privilege and also theft because she took a scholarship away from someone else that might have been uh, more forthcoming in their uh, uh, a reasonable um, a, a, um, uh, should have gotten it. What, what about this, I think, Dave? I think, uh, look, you... made, I think she should be a shovel leaner for the DOT. Okay. She shouldn't get any 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 kind of privilege. Well, what about what about this? What if she got her degree, but what if they made her pay a penalty of some sort? Maybe um, the full cost of that tuition and and then some. Is that something that well, you'd be uh, you'd go along with? 
No, with her background, that's just a drop in the bucket. That's like finding those actors that lied and said they were polo players. But that's just a drop in the bucket. It means nothing to these absolute privileged pigs. All right. I really had it with the really had it with the wealthy. The, we people that work for a living, like you and I and my family, even though some of us went to college, we deserve better than to be trodden on by the filthy rich. Well, Dave, thank you. Look, I don't have a problem with the wealthy at all. I like the wealthy. Uh, I am the only reason I have a job is because I work for with someone that's wealthy. Um, my problem is with liars and with people who make up um, details about their per- – it's almost like a I – mean, it's not the same thing, but it's almost like a stolen valor situation. Remember Dick Blumenthal who lied about his service in Vietnam? It's almost like that. Um, I mean it's not as bad as what Dick Blumenthal did, but it's bad. 800-848-WABC. What do you think? Uh, let me say hello to John in Blue Point. Hello, John. Frank, how are you? Well, uh, I would say that uh, all things considered, I am happy and content. Thank you. Good, good. Congratulations on Carmine too, to you and your wife. Thank uh, you. Yeah, I think I think the designation of a Rhodes Scholar should be definitely taken away from her. Okay, as far as her academic abilities and her master's degree, I do believe that she should retain that, but she should have to make some kind of financial compensation to the college based on the false information she gave them about her financial stature. Uh, but I, if you give colleges the tools to start taking away diplomas and masters and stuff, I don't know. That's a, that's a bad angle. John, I, I think I'm with you, John. I think you're exactly right. You know, it almost reminds me to some extent, and again, I don't want to excuse this woman's conduct if this turns out to be true. Look, it wouldn't be the first time if, if there's more to the story and more comes out later. Maybe maybe her version is more true than we realize. But it reminds me to some extent, um, as terrible as I think her conduct is, is these colleges that give these honorary degrees to people and then just yank the honorary degrees as soon as that person becomes unpopular. I mean, I don't think right. you should be able to do that either. Great points, John. I, I think I'm pretty much 100% where you are. Thank you. 800-848-WABC. Bobby is in Center Reach. Uh, that's on Suffolk County, right, Bobby? Yes, it is. Uh, I'm going to be in Suffolk County tomorrow. I'm going to beep when we pass Center Reach. Hopefully we'll see oh, you. There you go. Well, good morning, Frank. Good morning. What's on your mind? Uh, I know they said the girl lied when before she got into college, but I got to say two things. One, is it now President lying when he turned in papers that he copied? Well, that is a great point. <laughs> and not just that. Well, that is a very good point. Uh, Biden not only committed plagiarism in school, but then in 1988, when he was running for president, he plagiarized the biography of, of Neil Kinnock. I don't know how that didn't occur to me, Bobby. I, uh, I should. It, 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 you just didn't get to it yet. Uh, that it, is a wonderful point, Bobby. Absolutely well, thank right. thank you. But my other part is, look, the girl lied, but she did do all the work. Right. Right, exactly. You know what so, so, so what should we do here? What should we do? She, I she think lied. We should give her, give her what she earned. Yeah. So uh, she gets to keep the degree then. No, no problem. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think Bobby. Thank you. And uh, I, I can't believe I didn't make that Biden comparison. He did the same thing. He stole Neil Kinnock's uh, biography, at least in one speech. But I, uh, I think she's got to pay some sort of a penalty. 
And I, I think it, maybe it's financial. Maybe she's got to throw herself on the mercy of the court. Maybe she's got to give one of those crying speeches before the cameras. You know, when they, they trot you out there and you do this public apology where you cry, like Tanya Harding or uh, Kyle Rittenhouse where you're crying like crazy. I want to see some tears from this woman. Instead, we're getting defiance. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Uh, Henry in Manhattan, what say you, Henry? Uh, hi, Frank. Uh, I'm a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania in 1971, uh, uh, three years after Donald Trump graduated, incidentally. Uh, never met him while I was there. Uh, what I think uh, should come into play is the idea of a statute of limitation. Uh, that is, she lied and she should be punished for a while, but after that that uh, period is up, I think you know uh, a penalty paid. You're you're back to uh, uh, innocent status, not innocent, but free status. I don't think this thing has to follow her all her life, uh-huh. but but for a decade maybe. I, I like that, Henry. I, I think you're on the same page that I am and uh, some of the other callers, which is she should get to keep the degree. She did do the work, but she's got to have some sort of a stigma. You know, maybe she can. I don't know. Maybe she's forced to wear a scarlet letter for a while. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two. Put an asterisk next to her degree. Yes. There you go. Like Roger Maris, right? She's the, the she's the Roger Maris of Rhodes Scholars. Joe, I mean, that is silly, the, the asterisk for Roger Maris. Joe and Ron Konkama, hello. Hey, Frank. How you doing tonight? I am doing just peachy. Hey, when you're going out to Suffolk, stop off at exit 59. Come visit me. I'm, gonna, I'm out in Suffolk County. We can enjoy a nice uh, bourbon or something. I will see, uh, you know, how my uh, my two month old does with the two and a half hour drive out there, and if <laughs> if we if we have extra leisure time, perhaps I'll suggest that. All right. As far as what you're talking about, uh, I don't think she should lose her degree. I mean, with I was saying to your board op, uh, we're all the illegal people that are coming in getting free college and everything. I mean, let her keep her degree, and maybe like do some sort of like. You know, charitable thing or like tutoring some students as like, you know, for what she for lying. But other than that, I mean, how many people you know that apply for colleges and apply for stuff and they're lying constantly? And like the other caller said about our president lying. I mean, to take her degree, I mean, she did work hard. Exactly. That exactly. That That's that's where I, mean, I, yeah. I have an issue uh, going. And, and I'm all for punishing her. And thanks for the call, Joe. I just don't think. I think taking a degree away is just – it's just a bridge too far as far as I'm concerned. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. Dave is calling from Dumont. Hello, Dave. Hey, Frank. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Uh, sorry to hear about Meatloaf, number one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He was a great uh, – that Bad Out of Hell was a great album. A tremendous talent. Absolutely. Yeah, he had a great voice. Tremendous talent. Anyway, I have uh, – Based on observation and years of experience, I want to say something, and then if you let me explain myself, I can do that as well. All right, let's hear it. You know what doctors are? Do I know what doctors are? Yeah, educated guessers. 
essentially. Okay. You know what? You know what trial lawyers are, trial lawyers are. Uh, you got me. Educated BSers. <laughs> okay. You know what right wing right wing radio talk show hosts are. What's that? Just BSers. Oh, all right. That's not bad. Um, all right. I mean, he waited on hold a while to make that comment. That is, all right. God bless you. If you have the time, God bless you. And, um, you know, look, if you look at um, some of the people that are on our station, for instance, you look at the education of somebody like Mark Levin. The guy is is very well educated. Um, Bill O'Reilly, very well educated, master's degree, um, went to went to Harvard, uh, went to University of uh, Boston University, and I think went to uh, I think Marist as well. So uh, look, we have some very well educated people on this show. Uh, so on, the, on this station, eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. That's eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Jim is on Long Island. Hello, Jim. Hello there. Uh, first of all, you have a great show, Frank. Thank you. And uh, I'm also in Center Reach, Long Island. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to beep. I'm going to beep when we get there uh, tomorrow afternoon. We'll probably be passing Center Reach around 1230, 1 o'clock. I'm going to beep loudly as we pass the exit. So if you hear a beep, that's that's my wife and me. <laughs> okay. Uh, just as an aside, how many incoming lines do you have there? Uh, currently, it's uh, eight, eight call-in lines. Oh, okay. It seemed like I was. It seemed like there was about nine, ten people ahead of me. But anyway, uh, a question. A few months ago, the uh, the government put out a video of uh, these flying saucers or objects in the sky being tracked by our jets. And uh, then they said there's going to be more information following on following month. And then I never heard another thing about it. Do you know anything what happened there? Well, I'm not sure which incident that you're talking about, but the what happened was there were multiple videos that uh, depicted uh, what they call UAP, Unidentified uh, Aerial Phenomenon, and the Pentagon did acknowledge the authenticity of several of these videos. They said essentially these videos are accurate. We can't say what they are, but, you know, they're accurate. Then... Congress voted as part of the COVID bill, the COVID relief bill, to have the director of national intelligence and the Pentagon issue a report, which they did over the summer, uh, acknowledging whatever they know about UAPs. They put out this report. This report said basically nothing. It said uh, there are, um, uh, I may be off on the number, 159 incidents that we can't explain um, 158 of them, we have no idea what they are. It was a whole lot. Of, it was a nothing burger, this report. So now, and again, I want to encourage you, if you didn't get to hear it, listen to my one-hour interview with Stephen Bassett from earlier in the week because we covered a lot of this. And he went into some detail, and I agree with much of what he said. Now, because of this bill that was passed uh, in Congress as part of the National Defense Authorization Act, there's a new agency that's tasked with UAP and UFO reporting. My hope is now that this has been taken out of the hands of the Pentagon, maybe that's the first step in greater disclosure. But I don't know that there's any immediate forthcoming plans for uh, broader disclosure of what the government knows. Look. 
the bottom line here is, and look, we, we cover UFOs so much, and I got some big alien stuff planned for next week as well. And uh, Prometheus, the, the alien, is practically chomping at the bit to get his story out there. He's wearing a scarf now. He's quite cold. Uh, that's because he wears no clothes most of the time. But the bottom line is this. There are objects in the sky that we can't explain. They are doing maneuvers that we can't explain and that seasoned pilots can't understand. So the question is not, do UAP or UFOs exist? That's not the question and hasn't been for some time, for at least five years now, since that front page New York Times article. And remember, we spoke with the author of that New York Times article. That's not the question. The question is this. The question is, what are these objects? Are they high-end American military aircraft? Well, we've heard from Lou Elizondo. We've heard from the former director of national intelligence, John Radcliffe. They all say no. Are they lying? I don't think Lou Elizondo is lying. Um, I don't think John Radcliffe is lying. I don't think so. So are they a foreign government? China, Russia. So far, based on everything we know, these governments don't have the capability to have aircraft that are making these kinds of maneuvers. So if they're not our government, they're not the Chinese or the Russians, then what are they? That's the question. I don't pretend to have the answers, but everybody that has a theory as to what these objects are, whether it's something otherworldly or not, they're welcome on this show, and we're going to explore it, and we're going to continue to explore it. We'll take one more call here, and then we'll go to the uh, we'll go to uh, the thousand dollar minute. Let me say hello to Martha on Staten Island. Hello, Martha. Good morning, Frank. Uh, this is in reference to the topic at hand mm-hmm. about the woman who uh, lied on her um, tests and stuff like that. Not her test, but you know her entrance into sure. the college, et cetera. Um, what what really disturbs me is the fact that if she's lying about this going forward mm. into the world, what else is she going to be lying about? You start small and then you wind up in a very can wind up in a very bad situation. So my my conclusion is, um, yes, she should keep her degree, but she should also uh, learn about why why is it that she did what she did. And maybe do community work, maybe with some people in the particular area that uh, she has issues with, you know, um, uh, perhaps even psychological help. But that's getting a little bit too much in the weeds, you know, that has a lot to do with legalese stuff. But that's basically my uh, my answer. All right. Well, thank you, Martha. Those of you that are holding, if you want to comment on either this or any of the other subjects you're holding about, please continue to hold. Um, We will take more calls. Uh, throughout the next half hour. But we are going to do the $1,000 Minute in just a minute where we give one of you an opportunity to win $1,000 by answering 10 questions in 60 seconds. Give us a call, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And if you are the seventh caller, and if you've never participated in this contest before, if you're the seventh caller right now, we're going to give you an opportunity to answer 10 questions in 60 seconds. Straight ahead. WABC. 77 WABC. All American. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. 77 WABC. She keeps them away, Shondo, in 
places Just like Marie Antoinette This is The Other Side of Midnight. That's Queen, um, in deference to the caller that, I think it was Carol, that cited Freddie Mercury's talents as a singer. Those, of course, were substantial talents. And hopefully you can demonstrate a modicum of the talent that Amy Schneider, Schneider, demonstrates on Jeopardy on a regular basis. But because it is now time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Murano. Ah, yes, thank you very much, Chris Libertini. Let's meet today's contestant, Ken in the Bronx. Now, Ken, you, of course, call it the Bronx, not Bronx, right? Correct. Because that's what it's called, unlike the Ukraine. Correct. That's right. All right, Ken, um, you're, you're not responsible for any of those shootings out there in the Bronx, are you? Negative. Wonderful. We appreciate that. All right. Um, you, uh, you've heard this segment before? Yes, I have. Okay, wonderful. Okay. Um, we're going to ask you ten questions. If you get a uh, question correct... I'm going to move on to the next one, and uh, we'll try and run through these as quickly as possible. And uh, the timer will begin after I ask the first question. You ready to go? Ready to go. What agency is in charge of putting out fires? Fire department. What continent is the United States part of? North America. What country is Vladimir Putin the president of? Russia. What was the verdict in the O.J. Simpson murder trial? Not guilty. What animals are pearls found in? Oysters. Bill Gates was the founder of which company? Microsoft. In which board game do you try to solve a murder? Clue. Who was the last prophet in Islam? Muhammad. What name does deer meat go by? Who? Deer meat. What name does deer meat go by? Venison. And finally, what's the smallest country in the world? The Vatican. That is right! That is right! We have our very first $1,000 winner. Congratulations, Ken! Yay! 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 Now, people are – somebody called in and said you lied about your biography and that you're not really from the Bronx. So we may have to no, – is that no, is that accurate? Are you lying about your biography or you're not really from the Bronx? Oh, no, I am from the Bronx. All right. Well, well, congratulations, Ken. Bronx. This is a historic moment in this show, and uh, everyone's applauding. Prometheus the Alien is applauding. Deb Valentine is applauding. 
Forget about it. Ryan's beside himself. He's never been so ecstatic. How do you feel? <laughs> am, I, am I the first thousand dollar winner? You are indeed. Congratulations. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're a pretty bright guy, uh -huh. Ken. What do, you, what do you do for uh, a living? I'm in healthcare. I work in a hospital. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Well, I trust yeah. you to operate on me anytime. <laughs> okay, sweet. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Ken, congratulations. Um, we uh, we will get you uh, a check or something. I don't know. Uh, give uh, give Ryan all your information, and somebody will be in touch. We will get you uh, your money sooner rather than later. All right, Ken. Okay. Take two aspirins and call me Christmas. What? Wait. wait repeat that. Take two aspirins and call me Christmas. <laughs> okay. All right, Ken. <laughs> well done. Congratulations. Uh, hang on. Hang Yay. on. Go, go on home. Yay. Hopefully this is a trend that continues for uh, the foreseeable future, and hopefully we get a lot of other winners in the future. So that's great. Uh, we have uh, our first winner of the $1,000 minute. I hope they don't make me make the contest a lot harder now, now that somebody's won $1,000. But it is exciting. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm glad that we finally had a winner. A lot of people were wondering if it was even possible. And, uh, and I'm glad that Ken... I'm glad that Ken's a winner. Very just exciting. got under the wire, too. I mean, yes. time was ticking down. Time was you ticking down. I did hit the buzzer, Yeah, but he did get it in. He got, yeah, no, but he got it in. Yes. I, I keep my own clock, too. That was right. within a minute. That was absolutely a legitimate win. That's very exciting. I'm excited. Whew. That was very emotional. Okay. 800-848-WABC. 800-848-9222. You can call in and comment on this or anything else. Um... But, uh, I mean, Ken is the star of the show today, boy. Let me tell you. He's our very own Amy Schneider. Um, but uh, we'll see. Well, we'll hopefully that this continues in the future and we have other winners in the future. So normally, right around this time, I begin my departure home, except on Fridays. Because on Fridays, we have our weekly meeting with management at, uh, at 7 o'clock this morning. But uh, I got no email about that. Yesterday, So I don't know if that meeting is on. And then, um, Matt Blaze, you were telling me before the show that you thought Dick maybe Meany, Matt right? Meany, our program director, wasn't coming in today, so right. maybe we wouldn't have this meeting. That's what I told. But then Molly had said that we are having a meeting. Well, what that, does she know? She said that Matt Meany told her. Oh, 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 oh. So he's, so, so he's coming in. Because I said the same thing. I said, what do you know? And she said, oh, well, Matt told me we are having a meeting. So I said, oh. Now we know. All right. So there you go. It's funny. My uh, my wife asked me um, because, you know, I give my wife a little relief. Um, uh, see, already people are complaining. My wife just messaged me. That was too easy. Other days had way harder questions at the end. Okay. All right. I mean, I, I, honestly, I don't think they were that easy. Did you get all 10 of them? Um. Yeah, I knew. I, I thought he got tripped up a little bit with the venison. Right. And then what was the last question? About the smallest oh, country in the world. I wouldn't have known Nevada. Yeah, I think that was fair. That I think that was fair. Question. You know what? The challenge is not only at knowing the correct responses, it's knowing them quickly so that we can get all 10 questions in. I was in the bathroom. Well, I don't know. Who told you to go to the bathroom? I missed the whole thing. This is the time that I've we do this, for this every so every single now. day. <laughs> You, you, so you should know this is when we do this. Uh, but it's funny. My wife messaged me because I give her a little relief from taking care of our, our son when I come home so that she can sleep for a couple hours. And uh, he was very cranky when I left last night, and she was just, you know, trying to get a couple hours sleep. And she said to me uh, – she messaged me at um, 
uh, 9.30 or so. She said, 9.30 last night, she said, what time will you be home tomorrow morning, which is this morning? I said, probably 9, unless they cancel our weekly meeting. And her response was just, kill me. <laughs> so she's not happy to have uh, to tend to our young son for an extra two hours uh, without me. It's nice to feel wanted. So hopefully, hopefully we can uh, make it a brief meeting. Or hopefully we'll get news that it's canceled. Who knows? 800-848-WABC. Um, hey, uh, Diane in Manhattan has been patiently holding. Hello, Diane. Hi. It's been holding a long time. Well, Diane, the floor so, is yours. I know, I know it's like so off the topic from when to, so this is back with the questions to you. And I, I was just so... Um, Impressed by your discussion about um, your feelings about the Iraq war and about um, Cheney. And I was wondering, and I have two questions if you could be so kind, um, whether um, you and your strong opposition to the Iraq war, did you ever actually join any demonstrations that were happening during those days when Bloomberg was our mayor and people were out in the streets. Uh, I'll be honest. I'll I'll be honest. I I didn't, uh, Diane. I was somebody um, who I was skeptical of the Iraq war from the beginning, but I was not um, dead set opposed to it as I subsequently became in later years. I, I think the more we learned about it, the more we realized what a disaster it was. I was hopeful that um, George Bush and Dick Cheney and uh, and Condoleezza Rice and Colin Powell and others, I was hopeful that they were uh, telling the truth about weapons mm-hmm. of mass destruction. And I was hopeful that our role there would lead to um, a Middle Eastern democracy. And uh, I would I was hopeful that it would um, uh, play a, de- a stabilizing role in the region, particularly when it comes to fighting terrorism. None of that came to fruition. But I was sort of a late convert uh, to uh, to to the cause. I, I was much more active around that time, 2002, 2003, 2004, much more active in local uh, politics. I mean, I did uh, campaign for um, and, and was very adamantly, vocally supportive of Ralph Nader in 2004, who ran for president. He was the only candidate that ran for right. president that year, largely on a, a platform opposing the Iraq war. I guess there were some other minor party people that did. But no, I didn't do much. And I'm sorry that I didn't do more uh, to oppose it. Okay. Uh, can I squeeze in one more? Sure, Diane. You waited a while. Thank you. That's very sweet of you. Um, so, you know, I love, I love your voice. I love the energy of the show. And sometimes, you know, I get a little frustrated because... I hear you sometimes state things that are surprising, like you're not believing that um, that the election of the presidency was uh, rigged and a farce, and that you acknowledge that Biden was legitimately elected. But then, like a day after you said that on the air and you confirmed that, you had Bernard Carrick on as a guest, and he was going, you know, besides talking about appearing, about being subpoenaed to be a witness, 
he uh, was going on about how the election was stolen, and you said nothing. And, you know, I understand that's your option as a host, to say nothing. But you were so strong in saying it the day before, it, it just seemed like it would have been nice, you know, not aggressively, but just to state your opinion again when he was going on about about it having been stolen. Well, a couple of things, Diane. One, uh, when I have a guest on, uh, either for their expertise or to make news or for their opinion, I am uh, I want them on to express their point of view. I'm not having them on so that I can um, I can have them listen to my opinion. Uh, I have them on. I ask them questions and they can give whatever answers they want. My feeling is, look, I've got four hours every day to give my opinion on a host of issues. So I have no problem asking questions to people who may have a differing view. Um, I and 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 just in terms of interviewing, because I've tried this with other people, uh, Rudy Giuliani, Peter Navarro and others, um, when I bring up facts that are contrary to uh, their position on something, essentially they bury me with facts that I don't, I am not quick enough and don't have the resources to immediately respond to. And so they mm-hmm. kind of start filibustering. And I find that it doesn't necessarily make for the best conversation. You know, I, I like to have people on, have them give their take on whatever issue we're talking about. In the case of Carrick, mm-hmm. it was his subpoena before the January 6th committee. And if people right. agree, they can agree. He can make his case. And we have people on that say other things. So, I, you know, I'm just not into, I'm not into, into um I'm not into just having someone on to argue with them. It's just not my style. It's just not my style. Not to argue, but you said you don't give your opinion. You give your opinion when you agree with them, when they're speaking. Well give me an example. Say, give me an example. What, of all the times you agree with guests? Yeah, well give me one. One example, for instance. I'd say ninety nine percent of the guests you have. Uh, see, I, I don't I don't think I do a lot of commentary with guests. I think what I do is ask questions and let them answer. I, I don't think that I'm um, and, you know, I guess maybe maybe if I do do that, it's on a subconscious level. But look, I'm all for whether the issue is uh, stolen elections, Russia or aliens. I'm all for having all points of view on. Let's air them out on this show and put all the information out there and let people come to their own conclusions. You remember when Fox News used to say, we report, you decide. Well, I question, you think, right? That'll, that's, that'll be my mantra. Uh, hey, we're going to do 15 seconds of fame next. Uh, we will take your questions on any subject for 15 seconds. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Two open lines. We will return shortly. WABC. Start your morning with Frank Morano on 77 WABC.
Hey, this is The Other Side of Midnight. We're here on every day from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. Another great show that you're going to want to check out, uh, I alluded to earlier, is Rita Cosby. She's on every day from uh, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. And uh, she is uh, today's WABC clip of the day because of her interview last night with Caitlyn Jenner, which was just terrific, really interesting. And Caitlyn Jenner, who's transgender, was giving her take on transgender sports and transgender athletics. This is what Caitlyn Jenner had to say to Rita Women have worked so hard over the last 30, 40 years to establish an even playing field with Title IX back in the 80s. I know Donna Deverona is a good friend of mine. I remember her back in the 80s working this Title IX and Title IX, and we would talk about it, and it went through, and we have more equality in sports uh, because of it. And it was a good thing. Yep. And And now all of a sudden, everything's turning around, you know? Um... Leah Thomas, I mean, I respect her as a human being, but what what she's doing uh, to women's sports is is just not good. It's it's not fair. There you have it. A terrific interview, as she ha- does each and every night. Rita Cosby from 10 p.m. to midnight. You know what I have noticed, though? is Molly's very good about cutting up uh, clips, you know, that we do, highlights or lowlights from this show. I never hear our show being the clip of the day on any other shows lately. We used to be the clip of the day regularly, you know, but I, I don't hear. Unless I mention Sid Rosenberg, none of the other shows are playing our clips. So uh, that the only way we get mentioned on the other shows is if I mention Sid Rosenberg because he's the only person on the station that's more of an egomaniac than I am. So the fact that another show would mention his name, that's our ticket to stardom on the uh, many, many thousands of people that are listening and watching Sid every morning. Um, So hopefully that uh, covers me for today. Hopefully we'll get mentioned uh, today. All right. It is time now for The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. 800-848-9222. Be heard for 15 seconds. Eddie in New Jersey. When I was younger, I used to always get mixed up between New Hampshire and Vermont on the map because they look so similar. So I proposed to change their names to East Hampshire and West Hampshire, respectively, and hopefully that will be the way I get my fame. Fred in Yonkers. Hey, Frank, many moons ago, I go into a radio shack. There's a guy up on a ladder reaching for an antenna. It comes crashing down in a pile of rubble. Says, that height? He goes, no, it's mega height. Mike in New Jersey. Good morning, Frank. Frank, now that a $1,000 winner has been established, those of us that have lost in the past, are we able to participate again? The answer to that is I think yes, but we'll get a final ruling from management. Mike on Staten Island. Frank, great job with that contest. The the, uh, questions were perfect. Don't want to go against your wife. But what a great job, and thank God I made it because I just got in my car. Awesome job. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Bob in Queens. Yes, hi, good morning. Listen, for years, for, for, for a couple of months now, I've been thinking that Cuomo actually mandated nursing home stakes and convocations. That's all you heard from right-wing radio. And now we find out, no, it was not a mandate. It was only a suggestion. Thank you, Bob. Jimmy in Queens. Sizzle moron, sizzle moron, sizzle. <laughs> Neil on Staten Island. Happy birthday to Navy veteran Paul Semper. And do you think Rachel's reevaluating you holding Carmine when you can't hold a coffee mug? And finally, David and Nurk. Read Digit Machine by Richard Blasberg and Twisted Justice at CNN.com. 
Janine Machine by Richard Pelesberg and Twisted Justin of CNN.com. On that note, thank you very much.